Ryan, next week we are embarking on a trip to uh, old Nashville, finally getting you out of Kentucky. How do you feel about that? I cannot wait. I'm so excited. It'll be the first time that I've ever utilized Airbnb. I don't even know what that name means. What do you, air bed and breakfast? I, I mean, I know, but it's still, what, what's the air? What's the air part of it? I don't know. There's also there's also no breakfast unless you're That's cooking me breakfast. What what do you what do you expect? Like what are you expecting from this this Airbnb experience? Because it could go many <laughs> different ways. I expect to kind of I don't know. I don't I don't really know. I feel like we have a lot more room than we need. Did you look at the pictures? Oh, we definitely do. <laughs> no, no. Did, are, are did you look at the pictures of the place? No, really? No, I just trust you. Plus, we're only going to be there one night. So if I hated it, then what, what would the big deal be? Something's going on in Nashville. Something's always going on in Nashville, but something's going on in Nashville that weekend particularly. Try to look for – so just to tell the story. what So first of all, we're going to Nashville for a concert to see Balance and Composure. It's actually the second time we'll, we will have seen Balance and Composure together. It's a band that we're both very big – Fans of, uh, we're going to see Eric Mulder down there. We're not quite sure why he's going to the show. He didn't even like the band. I was going to say, he's a poser going to this. Yeah. He's a poser. Sure. I actually told a story about going to see Balancing Composure on my music episode a few weeks ago. Excuse me. Um, so the story behind getting this Airbnb, have I told you this story about how it, how shitty it was? No. Okay. So... I get on the app and I'm looking for places and there's nothing in the city for under $200. Nothing. I even look for hotels and the cheapest hotel was $200. That's just for one room. Mm. And I get on the app and I find a great place, which is just like a, a guest like side of the house. So we would be in a, in a house with somebody else. Oh really? Yeah. But it's, so they would have been cooking us breakfast. No, 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 that's not really how that works either. But so I got, (laughs) I, I got on the app and I booked it and the guy goes, well, I I don't know why it let you book this because I'm actually not going to be there that, that weekend. I said, okay, that's fine. So then I went and looked for another place, found it, booked it, and they canceled as well because they said, well, we just put this up today. And I was like, what does that matter? Okay. Well, they were like, we're still getting the house ready. I'm like, why the fuck did you put it on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you put it on there? So That doesn't it, sound very professional. So then I booked the one that we're staying at for $200, and in the middle of me booking that one, the other guy got back with me and said, oh, actually, I can do this now. And I said, okay, well, I don't need it anymore. And I canceled it. And they had a strict cancellation policy. Oh, boy. So it had already charged me for that $115, I think, or $120. And then it charged me. Actually, it might have been more than that. And then it charged me for the other one. So I was out like Three almost four hundred dollars. Really? Yeah, for like two over days. Over the stupid trip. Over the stupid trip. And they even kept twenty dollars of that uh Airbnb kept twenty because the only thing you can't get back is like their processing fees. So that was kind of a bummer. I, but, I was gonna say I don't feel like you're very upset about this though. 
Are you that upset? Are you upset? I mean, I got the money back. I just didn't, I, I'm, I was out $20 okay. from that entire transaction. Right. But uh, yeah, it definitely sucked there for a bit. But Airbnbs can be tricky. The first one I ever stayed in, I was a little bit spoiled. It was in Nashville and it was an entire home and it was so nice, man. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful house. Uh, the second one I stayed in, and this was sort of what we would have probably had, it was a guest like space in somebody's home. Guy was there. Guy was home the entire time and just cooking breakfast, doing things, doing whatever he was doing. And we were just down in this like almost basement of his. That was bizarre. The fact that when we got up in the morning, we had to be super quiet and like because there was somebody else there. It's a horror movie waiting to happen there. It was crazy, but it was just this random little side room that he had. Last Sunday, last Sunday was Easter Sunday. With all, I, I was with all my family eating dinner, and the term Airbnb uh, came up. And, were you telling them about what we and, were doing? And my my grandparents were like, "Wait, now what is that? Airbnb?" And I realized how. Again, I've said it before off air. Like, I think that's a ridiculous brand name. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand what it is. It's fine. It, it, it makes no sense. But um, they were like, "Now what is that?" And I was shocked to well i wasn't really shocked i was taken aback because i don't realize how many things <laughs> come up that older generations just have no idea what they are it's crazy isn't it weird like it, it's we take for granted all these types of things but it kind of made me afraid to get old <laughs> because i have always told myself that I wasn't going to let myself get old. I'm. I feel like I. Well, that's impossible. But I meant like, I. Old people have this awful. Uh, I assume feeling uh, when they look out at the world. Sometimes <laughs> it's called life. <laughs> this awful. No, it's like, called being old. Old people have to at one point realize that the world is like moving away, like slipping away from them, because so much stuff like so much technology the concept behind some of this technology it's just impossible for them to comprehend and i know we're just right now talking about a bed and breakfast website but just beyond that like time slips away from them and the world moves away while they're alive and i just found that fascinating but also very scary um and i consciously want to um keep myself uh, from getting into that mode one of these days. And I, my mother, she's not old. She's 52. She'll be 53 on Monday. And like she even, um, <laughs> she wasn't confident when she had to use the ter- the term HDMI cord. Like she was like, hey, do you have one of those HD? And she like g- didn't know how to get it out. I'm like, mom, it's HDMI. You, right. You've purchased this thing. You've used this thing. Don't let yourself get old. Like, just remember that. Like, wh- what's keeping you from remembering that you use an HDMI cord? Because she uses one. It was just. Did was she just not know so, how to pronounce it? Was she thinking that no, it could have been No, she just wasn't confident what she was saying. Like, she wasn't uh, confident in its in its abilities. Like, does this do audio too? Yes, mom. HDMI is video and all. Like, it's just scary. And I know it's just fascinating to me that that small nugget of an experience presents that larger question. Like, Absolutely. is there going to be a time when we just 
we just lose track of it all. Well, you know, have you ever been in mid-explanation of, real- of what after Schmo is and seen the absolute bewilderment on people's minds of not being able to comprehend what we do? Yes. not ju- I mean, everything we do. Not just after Schmo. Yeah. But I you mean, know how many times... That's old people with life. <laughs> that's just... I know. Yeah. It's crazy. And... Okay, what... It, how old... This is for you, not in general. I'm not... How old is too old for Ryan Selling? Like, what's the age you hope to go by? What do you... You mean, how old do I want to be? Yes. I, I mean, it depends. There's so many factors involved. Just, just, looking, I, just looking at how other... Pe- Looking at how comfortable other older people look, I can only. At what point are you just like that? Doesn't look comfortable anymore. So doesn't look enjoyable. I'm only speaking for Frankfurt. I assume where I'm from in Kentucky. I assume that it's like this everywhere except California. California is perfect, and people don't age the same. But (laughs) some would say more because it's so sunny. I work bad for your skin. I work in retail, so I see all kinds of people. And one person's 40 is another person's 60. They could be the exact same age, but depending on who it is, they look just like a wreck. Or this person could be in great shape or whatever. A weathered stone. Yes. It it blows my mind uh, when I see that. And um, even comparing my two sets of grandparents, I mean, one set of grandparents' health is vastly different than the other. Uh, the grandparents that I was just talking about on my mom's side are actually very uh, together and with it. Um, they don't have to know everything about <laughs> the latest technology or Airbnb for them to be mentally there, and they absolutely are. And uh, they're approaching their 80s, I think. No, we, we just had an 80th birthday, and you would never know it. But – uh. It just there's so many factors. So answering that question is almost impossible because who knows what could happen. I mean, I could get some kind of crazy disease when I'm 60 uh, or hopefully I've obtained my mother's genes and uh, hopefully I'll still be kicking it around 80. So it just it, it entirely depends. Yeah, I think there I think there's different different ages seem appealing at different ages of my own life. Like I remember being a kid and thinking like, oh, 30 years old, you're like a legitimate adult. But now, and I don't know if it's just because I'm almost 30, like I'll be 30 this year and I'm just like, oh, I see so many 30-year-olds now that are just living <laughs> living it up. Like there's no, you know, it, like to me, a 20-year-old, a tw- the age 20 to 29, if you have a two in your age, yeah. You're still, to me, very much like an emerging adult. I agree uh, with you. A hundred percent. And now it's weird too because the people that I take in media from, whether it's listen to music, and eh, not so much listen to music, but like listen to a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts with people who are like on the verge of 50 years old. Joe Rogan is on the verge of 50. Brian Callen just turned 50. And they seem like the age has like they're feeling their age, but they're also, they're also emerging into like this new stage of their life. Yeah. So now 50 seems relatively appealing. 40 is like a void. I don't know what 40 looks like. Is Christian 40? I think he's like 41, 42. Okay. So maybe that's what 40 looks like. Ellis will be 37 in July. I think. 
Um, so yeah, bringing up those guys, I mean, Collider and Schmoes, all those guys are approximately between 35 and 45. If I had to guess the majority of them are, um, no one knows how old John Roca is 40 is basically when actors are like in their prime, like the best roles for actors will come when they're like 40, like someone like, um, someone like a Bradley Cooper, even Chris Pratt. I think, I, I don't think he's, he's in his thirties. Yeah, but he he's just now, aside from getting like a role like Passengers, even though that's not a role that's like going to be, you know, legendary, it's a different role for him. And I think he's not going to get that in his 20s. There's there's more. Yeah, he has uh, within the next few years, he'll be getting other roles aside from the popcorn blockbusters. And actually this week, by the way, he got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which blew my mind. Thinking about how fast he got there, hundred percent incredible, man. But uh, but anyway, good body of work too. It's not very full either. Like as far as the the popular stuff, yeah, it's not a very um, a lot of its quality in different regards. Like obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously, uh, Parks and Rec, incredible uh, television show. You have something like Jurassic World, even though I didn't care for it that much. Third highest grossing movie, exactly. Of all time. I mean, to have that sort of and obviously guardians being a critical success financial success all that stuff yeah anyway so 40 is like a great time to be an actor or an actress um how did we get here from going to nashville oh you're explaining your grandparents yeah you derailed us yeah 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 but anyway um it's funny how our viewpoints changed over the years because when i was younger i thought i would be married with kids by the time i was 25 that sounds terrible. And in tw- my twenties now, I still feel like I still feel like I'm a teenager. <laughs> like yeah. I really do. I don't feel twenty six at all. Well, K- Kayla's five years younger than me, so then there's that whole yeah. thing too, as well. I yeah. mean, she's definitely a l- more mature. I think it, it's it's just it, it's just weird because as a kid, you think your parents are boring and they're like. Or I guess, no, I, I think they're boring now. Parents <laughs> should be boring to a certain ex- extent. <laughs> they ha- they have no choice because sh- you are their life. To a certain extent, yeah. You that's are right. their life. And that's so, um, I guess I should go back and say, it. my parents aren't boring. I think if I was a parent, my life would be boring. That's the better way to put it. Our lives are boring in general. We just do interesting things in our boring time. We do things that we think are interesting, yeah. But other people... If people, um, if people could grasp, what I, we I, do. I think I need to backtrack. I, I feel like everything I've said is not something I actually believe. I feel like I I'm, tend to do that sometimes. I feel like I'm just throwing shit out at this point. Maybe I need to think more about what I'm saying. There's a lot of there's a lot of waves on your side. What do you mean? Just take a break. Just take a little breath Am for I, a second. Are you saying I'm talking too much? I was talking about my grandparents. So, uh, yeah, I don't know getting older is obviously very strange and it is interesting how your perspective changes, but the older I'm getting, the more reflective I'm getting on how okay, uh, the things that I like, how okay my life is like, it's okay that I'm making a podcast and I'm doing things on YouTube. Like I look at what people are quote unquote supposed to be doing at my age and it just looks looks terrible like <laughs> getting married and having kids and leading and li- not not that there's anything wrong with those things but 
living that fit your life inside of this box lifestyle just sounds terrible and completely unfulfilling for me personally. So uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that I'm I'm not doing that. But if that's what you want to do, then to eat your own. But just to go bring it back around to this Nashville trip, we are going down to Nashville. We are going to see Balance and Composure. Uh, hopefully, we're going to document it as best as we can. I've tried to start like at least four or five different uh, sight and sound vlogs, and I just get bo- not bored, but I can't be asked to continue on with it. We were supposed to during the uh, what's the band that we were supposed to go see, and I got sick. Oh, Touche Amore. Touche Amore. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully that happens. Hopefully we get, hopefully we record an after party because literally the song that we play for that and the name is somewhat inspired by the Balancing Composure song, After Party. Uh, but yeah, our, Airb- our, our Airbnb is massive. I think it holds six people. I think it like, oh, God. Yeah. It's, it's a full guest house that they built specifically for airbnb like just some people that were like hey let's just build a house in our backyard hell yeah it is it's great and they're super relaxed too like we had to change our date a little bit and they were totally down so they will have no idea that these two podcast moguls are living in their their airbnb (laughs) guest house but i'm excited have you spent much time in nashville before um i went there there as a kid my mom's college roommate lived down there so we took a trip um, that was about the time, I think that was the first year the Tennessee Titans were a thing. So that okay. was like, that was like this huge thing that Eddie was going George. on down there. No, is Eddie George alive or is it the, it was, um, oh God, Steve McNair, Steve McNair. Sorry. RIP. Um, I had a Eddie George Jersey at the time. I, I ate got it. That down he had Nashville. a restaurant in Nashville. I ate oh, it. Oh yeah. Um, I don't really remember a whole lot from that trip other than that. Um, uh, I mean, we did the things and saw the places, but um, so that was pretty cool. And then I think I went down another time for some reason. And then recently, of course, going to see uh, Mark Ellis do stand up. And that oh, yeah, was, I forgot I, about that. I was there for like six hours. Like I drove down there, right. saw him. We did the show, and then I came right back and beat a winter storm. Fighter and the kid was just down there uh, this past week. But, oh really? Yeah. No, I love Nashville. Uh, considered moving there a handful of times essentially LA for music. I mean, not just country music, but all types of different music. And there's so much, there's always something going on in Nashville and I'm excited about it, but I'm also a little nervous to go with you because, uh, since we've been podcasting in the last few months, at least I've become aware to this thing that I do where I constantly feel the need to entertain people. And I feel like that's going to be heightened the entire time. Like, Hey, Ryan, you want to walk over here? You having fun right now? <laughs> please, please don't ask me that. I, I'm actually um, excited slash worried about the car ride down. Why? Because I feel like it's going to be nothing but you blaring music. No, but at the same time, you're going to be want to you're going to want to talk about everything. So we're gonna, I just pictured for three hours we're just going to be talking to each other over music. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's going to get exhausting. So how that how that happens is typically the first. 30 minutes are reserved for for music just to get on the interstate, get going a little bit, and then we turn it down. Then so, we discuss. So then I can read Thrawn. No. And we can... No, uh, you will not be reading Thrawn. And we can... We're going uh, to plan our Patreon on the car ride down there. That's exactly what we're going to do it. be doing. Okay. We'll which, plan, tra- which transitions me into a huge announcement. No. Uh, we'll plan the Patreon and we'll talk... We'll talk business like we always do. We'll do our video show for After Schmo. And uh, yeah, 
it'll it'll be uh business as usual just in a car absolutely so uh yeah i guess i guess i'll pull back the curtain and throw this out there we are i am figuring out a potential patreon page why, why am i not because you weren't super about it but i do have to run a lot of things by you i but, didn't i don't like the i i don't i have questions about the idea of patreon and how people will react to it but as far as utilizing it for our show i'm game Absolutely. I'll try anything. Okay. Yeah, because you don't have to do anything. But you don't have to do everything. Uh, yeah, that's something that we're kind of tossing the idea around. We've been doing this for six months, and we're going to keep doing it, obviously, at the uh, at the extent that we are doing it right now. But we have a lot of uh, goals. We have a lot of hopes and dreams that we want to achieve, and we spend a lot of our time doing sight and sound stuff in addition to – after Schmo, in addition to things like Let's Talk Legion. So, yeah, I mean, we have some goals and ideas. Obviously, we've got merchandise coming down the pipe very, very soon. But, yeah, if that's something you guys would be interested in supporting, then maybe we'll do something like that. Uh, I also recently criticized you for not promoting our giveaways at the top of shows but um you know so we should do it now is that what i you're think doing? so yeah. yeah okay so this is i think the third show where we've discussed our latest giveaway which is essentially subscribing to the sight and sound youtube channel you can find that link in this show's description or you can just search sight and sound on youtube and look for mine and jay's beautiful faces subscribe to that youtube channel and please let us know on twitter uh, that you've done so to increase your chances because we're going to give out a Schmo's No t-shirt of your choice. So you Schmobillions, um, this is something that you should do absolutely for your chance to get a free shirt. But also people who have no idea what Schmo's No is, please check it out and then become a fan. That way you'll want a shirt from us. So um, don't buy any, don't ask for any of those crappy designs that uh, Christian just put up for the Schmo down. Those aren't good. You mean the designs that people in Schmoville designed for them? Those aren't good. Well. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> that's fine. I'm, I, I'm I, glad that people have the option to buy I, I would, shirts. I would say that there are absolutely shirts on that store that I have no business in buying. <laughs> absolutely. I like the one you have. The Lucasfilm. The Lucasfilm <laughs> yeah. one? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but anyway, so subscribe to the Sight and Sound YouTube channel for your chance to win a Schmozno t-shirt of your choice you can follow us on twitter at sight sound pod please check out our twitter poll right now what decade of your life would you consider to be your prime i know you're going to vote for this on our break right jay i guess what are my options as it stands teens 20s 30s 40s has anybody voted oh yeah we got uh, six votes so far and uh, we'll reveal those at the end of the show. I don't uh, vote on polls. We'll do uh, we'll do more of these throughout the show and reveal uh, the results. And then we'll probably talk about them again next week just as an update. They're up for seven days. So uh, there's our first Twitter poll. So uh, follow us at Sight Sound Pod. Amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of the beginning of the show. So now Luke Jaggers can turn off the podcast. Um, I, uh, I have to pee. I'm full of LaCroix. I have a headache, so I need to take medicine. We're going to come back, and we're going to preview uh, all of the summer. Not all. Five. Not all, but uh, all (laughs) categories of the summer in terms of the music releases that are coming out this summer that we know of, the movie releases, and the television releases. We're going to get you guys hyped up. I have hired a hype man. 
Um, but he's asleep right now and he's half bald. That would be my dog. Indy will be right back on Sight and Sound Weekly. Hey everyone, Jay Williams here from Sight and Sound with a brand new announcement for you. Just a little something to get you hyped. We are currently putting together our very first ever line of merchandise. That's right. In just a few short weeks, you will be able to get your very own shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more featuring Sight and Sound related graphics. We're pretty stoked, whether it's just wearing our logo or a design featuring a phrase you know and love from just being a dedicated listener to the show. We've got you covered. This merchandise isn't just something for you guys to look cool while wearing, but you're also supporting the show as every dollar you spend goes back into supporting the podcast and making it better in the future. That's pretty much all we've got. Make sure you're staying tuned on social media for when our merch line drops in the coming weeks. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SightSoundPod or on Facebook, facebook.com slash SightSoundPod. Let's get back to the show. All right, so how this is going to work, if, if you guys didn't listen to our uh, preview of 2017, we're going to do five. We've selected five. Cinco. Cinco. Uh, five things we're going to preview, whether it be music, movies, and TV, and we'll do a segment by segment. Jay picked out the five music topics. I picked out the five movie topics. We combined our efforts for the TV topics. Are we starting off with movies, Jay? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Ready to, I'm ready to sit back and relax. For those that don't, well, I don't know why you would know, but uh, before we started this podcast, I podcasted for three hours for a separate show. My mind is... Uh, is that why you're going to sit back and just listen to me talk about movies for a minute? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give them input. Okay. I'll say something. All right. Um, Where's my mind? These were... Our, our, our selections are... No are our favorites <laughs> but we're we didn't rank them we're revealing them by release date so the ones that are coming out um soon will come first and then later in the summer will be last uh talking about movies uh number one is something that will come out next week on may 5th oh it's yeah what's that guardians of the galaxy volume Boo. two let's talk about this okay we had a trailer reaction where you were not impressed high on that first trailer that's right and i liked it um ever since then you have carried yourself with such confidence that this movie was just not gonna be good that's not true and you are rooting for this to fail that's not true and i don't understand why at all none of that's true um some of it is sort of true so i wasn't high on the first trailer just because i felt like they were giving just letting us know there was a new guardians trailer um i'm sorry not a new guardians trailer a new guardians movie but it wasn't like i want more from a movie than just to know that it exists does that make sense i i show me something show me i wish there was a camera on me so you could see the face i'm making give me a, give me a reason besides blind fandom which i feel like exists too much in uh in this landscape um, and I, I'm not, I'm not even skeptical about the movie. I just, all of the trailers I've seen are, are just not showing me a reason to go to this film outside of the fact that the first one was good. And it's just the team back together again. There needs to be more of a reason. You could absolutely say that about the last Jedi. I agree a hundred percent. 
I think the thing that coming out of that Guardians trailer is the fact that the gang is back. The the different the identity is there. The, the difference is we have gorgeous. more. Tra- we have obviously more trailers uh, to go by from Guardians now. I'm I'm talking purely based off that first one, right? Because since then, I don't even. I've only seen that second trailer once, and I vaguely remember it. Other than the fact that they reveal Kurt Russell uh, is. Uh, Star Lord's dad at the very end, but other than that, I barely kind of remember that second trailer. Actually, um, there's that really funny moment where Mantis gets hit by something and Drax <laughs> uh, has a funny line there. But I don't even really re- remember that second trailer because I didn't really need it. I mean, you don't have to give me trailers for Guardians. You really didn't. I mean, I'm going to be there uh, opening weekend, no matter what. I should probably get my tickets for that. Uh, we're going to be there no matter what. So. Um, I don't know. I just feel like your attitude, your attitude's been really disappointing, Jay. Well, look, I, I'm not, I'm not some schmuck here. I, I, you know, when I go to movies, I want it to be worth my time and worth my money. And I love the first Guardians. I love that movie. I went to, uh, I went to Oregon late last year, and on the plane back, maybe or two, I can't remember. I rewatched Guardians, and it just reminded me of how great of a movie that was not just good great you didn't know what that movie, movie was. was about going into that one those trailers those trailers didn't reveal anything about ronin and their situation i i agree 100 percent. and with that being said i'm also going to let people know that all movies have the potential to be bad that's sure, the absolutely. only thing that i'm voicing i'm just voicing and the and i'm also giving you my opinion of that trailer and the trailers that have come out, they're, they haven't impressed me. And the same thing with the first one. They didn't really impress me. That's fine. It can still be a good movie. And I hope it is a You're good right. movie. I want the franchise to be fantastic. You've said it before that um, this is for a younger generation, sort of their Star Wars in terms of a space, a great fun space movie for people to get excited about and to attach themselves to. And, and yes, I did make that type of statement, uh, but this was before Star Wars actually came back. So yeah. that's why, but I still kind of agree that uh, the first time certain, the first time kids saw Guardians of the Galaxy, it absolutely could have been their Star Wars. So um, I'm excited to see what the reaction is uh, of all ages. Cause I feel like Guardians has sort of transcended into this space that no one thought it could be in at all. I mean, I think it's going to kill at the box office. I mean, I think people of all ages love this thing. Even people that might not even be as involved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Guardians is like its own thing now, and I think it's incredible, and I can't wait to see it grow. Um, Recently, just because they're doing a lot of press, uh, they're already, I think it's already premiered uh, overseas. Um, It's already been viewed by critics but the embargo lifts uh the day that this podcast comes out actually so we'll see the reviews but uh there's a lot of chatter they're already talking about volume three the fact that james gunn is coming back to do it um it's going to be the final guardians film i mean there's a a lot of chit chat and uh hype around uh, this franchise right now and i just think it's really exciting because like you i echo everything you said i love that first movie i watched it uh, the night before last uh, again. So 
it's it, it's really exciting. And if we were ranking these, it would probably be my number one or number two. But since uh, we're talking we're talking about when it's going to be released, it ends up being the first one. But uh, anyway, I mean, it's just I'm just really excited. I, I like how fun. Uh, I was about to say these movies are, but the, I like how fun the first movie is. I like that. You know what? It's funny because I like Guardians so much and the concept of Guardians and how fun they are that I almost forget that they are supposed to be incorporated into the MCU. I love it. And honestly, kind of wish that they weren't. Like I, I agree. I, I think it's cool. I think it's going to be fun to see how they integrate with with the rest of the films, but these movies could easily, easily stand on their own, you know? Yeah. And, and I think for the most part, a lot of the MCU, MCU movies can stand on their own, but none, none other than, than guardians. I mean, once the MCU moves on from this current storyline that they're telling, you could easily come back to a, a guardians and tell and start a separate franchise in and of itself. Uh, almost, I mean, the franchise has become so beloved now that it's almost like a whole nother section of of Marvel in terms of comic books. Like, right. like the X-Men are from the Avengers. I mean, the Guardians are now this intergalactic group of individuals. There's so many stories to be told in outer space, as we've already seen from other properties like Star Wars. Let's do... Um Let's predict what we think the Rotten Tomatoes score is going to be. I proposed this earlier in the week based on uh, critics' reactions on Twitter because the full reviews haven't come out yet. I said I guaranteed that the Rotten Tomatoes score is above a 95%. Isn't that what I said or did I say 97? I don't know. I think it was 95. Because there were a couple of critics that thought it was just okay and didn't amount to the first one, I'm going to take it back a little bit. But my prediction is is that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 will come out and carry a 92% or above on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, I'm praying to God I have a grin on my face for two straight hours like I did that first that first movie. Do you have a prediction? 86%. At least? Like 86 or higher? Right at 86%. Oh, okay. All right. On the money. Take it to the bank. There you go. Um, the next release, May 19th, Alien Covenant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Prometheus well, we, sucks! I think we are Prometheus apologists. Are we not? What? That movie was a terrible experience for me. Why? In every sense of the word. I don't recall you. Uh, the only thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth, and I hope that our listeners love this i love the fact that you had zero clue that it was an alien prequel only because for years following this movie for me for years all the people were talking about was how it related to alien and i just think it's hilarious and this kind of goes back to uh, what we've discussed so many times which is the bubble that these movie fans are in. And at the time you, I guess you would consider yourself not in it. Um, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that, I wouldn't even, con- I wouldn't have even considered myself a casual moviegoer. Yeah. I just found that fast. I still find it fascinating that you didn't know even the trailers. I just um, saw X-Men first class last year. <laughs> and it was great. It's so good. Best X-Men movie easily. 
Um, anyway. Agreed. The the Alien movies and the Alien franchise is nothing. It's not true. That is an it it, it has I a I believe you said that. It has a staple. It is a staple and a cornerstone in the science fiction horror genre. Of course it is. They're 100%. Great. Alien and Aliens, great movies. They are great. Why movies. anybody in their right mind thought that this film franchise needed to go any further? Then that to explore anything else is beyond me. We just had an interesting conversation. Actually, it wasn't a conversation. Uh, it was a, a statement that Luke made in our group chat that nobody responded to. That I actually thought was a, I have no clue what you're a good point when he talked about how unfortunate it was that we would never get a sequel to Interstellar uh, because of the world that they had built. No one is asking for that. Why That's a hundred percent true. That you're exactly right. But get, is, it, okay. is he the first Stop. person to ask for an Interstellar sequel? Stop. So the the point that he's I've got a Twitter poll out of this. The point that he's making is a great point, and I have constantly, constantly said this about movies that they spend so much they spend so much effort in trying to build these worlds in such a short amount of time that I end up becoming more fascinated with the world that they've built than I do the actual story that they're telling. That is one of my biggest criticisms with Looper. I thought everything else was more interesting about that movie other than the story that they told. And But there are so many movies that don't go beyond what we get from them. I mean, look at the Terminator series. We stopped at Terminator to at T two, Judgment Day. Those for such a long time. The gap between that and the next one was a pretty significant amount of time. Not every fucking property needs to be explored. No, I'm I'm sorry. the The mythology that they tried to actually dive deeper in, besides giving us just an alien movie where you know these creatures were hunting humans and whatnot. Prometheus was a pretty movie. It was not a good movie. <laughs> the characters are dumb as shit. The The surroundings look great. The concept of it was so overbearing on that film. It, they, they bloated that movie with, with the idea of it. This movie looks to make up for that. This movie looks really exciting. It looks really fun. So did Prometheus. Prometheus wasn't an enjoyable experience for me personally. Not just because I didn't know. It could have stood on its own not being an alien movie. Or in that universe. But I am excited for this movie. I think they've learned from their mistakes. <laughs> I think they have. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you can follow the Twitter poll at SightSoundPod. Does anyone actually need or want a sequel for Interstellar. <laughs> so I... <laughs> and, look, and look, people, th this is 100% a hot take, and people are going to be like, what is he talking about? You, This is a bubble. We are talking to a bubble right now. And I'm telling you guys, go to your day-to-day -day jobs. Ask people that are not, that don't follow this space, if they care about an alien movie. An alien movie in this franchise. I guarantee you, most people are going to say, I don't care. People came out for Prometheus. 
and it was very well received by critics actually absolutely the bubble is big my friend the nerd community is big we see we see that it goes against everything we preached earlier which is mean? the fact that this bubble is small no no it's no, no smaller than we think no it's it's definitely a big bubble i'm not saying okay you you unleashed a lot let's backtrack for one we could probably spend an entire podcast debating and discussing prometheus okay so prometheus is like a weird cousin removed from the franchise it yes. is the ugly duckling in in many ways even though i I think the film is actually fine. I think people exaggerate. How many good alien films are there? Two. That's right. And I'm... Anyway, the point you made about the Terminator franchise is actually very on point because those franchises, for several reasons, have so many parallels. The fact that uh, the first um, movies in both franchises are horror and then the sequel are rejuvenated because they're more action, both by James Cameron... Uh, both sequels are by James Cameron and uh, strong female leads, um, Sigourney Weaver and uh, Linda Hamilton. I mean, there are so many parallels, and the fact that the uh, the um, franchise peters out and it's all it's in this state of reinvention. I mean, you could go on and on about how similar those two franchises are. I do not think Alien Covenant will be a Terminator Genesis. I actually think this movie, again, like you said, will prove that this franchise is back. And I think Prometheus kind of proved it in a way because without Prometheus, we wouldn't get Alien Covenant. So as far as riding the ship and maybe kind of directing it closer to the Alien franchise, I think that was the smart move. Um, I think this trailer looks gorgeous. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've actually... Uh, I watched the trailer once, I think the first trailer once, and I didn't want to see any more because apparently it's getting spoiled like crazy in the trailer. So I'm glad I'm glad I've steered clear of all this. But I it, I mean it's on my list for a reason. I think it's just going to be an awesome awesome summer movie. It looks like they're going back to what people fell in love with this uh, with these films in the first place that you know a very haunting sort of story where it's it's a it's a story of discovery but also of absolute terror and fear that i i just thought was missing in in, in prometheus i mean prometheus tried yeah. tried that at a certain part of the movie and it also tried to be this like very epic you know movie where people are walking around exploring things and they show you a image of something that you're supposed to have knowledge about and you don't because you didn't know that it was an alien movie. And, uh, that was a, Every, that was a bummer for me. Everyone, but you knew that's not true. There, are, there are others that had this issue. Um, okay. My number three, July 14th war for the planet of the apes. Talk about a franchise, a long lasting franchise, the best franchise, um, in terms of quality uh, these days, for sure. These movies are incredible. And they are the best mix of a summer blockbuster and a thematic, deep movie. And they look incredible and they get better and better. I think this is going to be the best one. I don't know if it's going to be the last one, but I'm going to, if we're considering this a trilogy. You're writing lyrics over there? This is going to be one of the best trilogies of all time. I have no confidence. If we were ranking... You have no confidence? I have... 
What did I say? No confidence. Yeah, you said you have no confidence. I meant in myself. I have no confidence in myself, but I have confidence in this movie. And if we were ranking these in terms of most anticipated, this would be my number one. The question you said that about Guardians. I said no, I didn't. I said Guardians might be one or two. I was I wasn't going to give it away that I had another one on deck. Oh, okay, I did say one or two for Guardians. Can we do a never before seen of the second one since I haven't seen? The second, yeah, let's, of the just, movie. let's you know put that in the storage of all the other never before scenes we have planned that we're never going to do because you never want to watch movies. I want to do insomnia, and when you decide that you want to catch up on a movie, you watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I've seen that movie. I grew up on that movie. I know, I know that. I'm running out of movies that I want to see. On you, sh- there's iTunes. no, there's no reason why, given the fact that you have missed out on so many movies, uh, like. The Planet of the... You saw the first one, right? Yes. Rise with James Franco? Yeah. God. Dawn was incredible. Um, you like that? I did. So, I think that this is going to be extremely epic. And it might even be the better war film uh, compared to another one that we'll talk about on this list. But, <laughs> but everything about this looks incredible, amazing, huge, epic. Your thoughts. Have you even watched the trailer? Yeah, I've seen the trailers. I think look, this this As mo- you vape? This movie looks gorgeous. It looks unbelievably uh shot and obviously everybody's always uh been of high praise for these films and their their CGI work and this this movie is so not not this movie, this franchise is so bold in my opinion to take those risks. Uh where so many other major franchises fail and and CGI and computer animation and whatnot. I mean, we last year people were criticizing Civil War because of the CGI, and that is a massive, massive franchise. Obviously, first time Iron Man suit looks horrible. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, same thing. Yeah, look, I'm excited to watch this. I love the first one. I thought it was great. I thought it was a surprise. I could care. The the second one will kick you in the nuts. Then I could care less about Planet of the Apes stuff. Going into that first one, I I watched it because the buzz around it was so uh, was so big. It had bubbled up to the top, and like I say all the time, good stuff finds its way to the top. The cream rises. the The thing about Rise that was so funny is that the only reason why I didn't know it was going to be good, it was, I think it was actually the first Blu Ray I ever owned. I didn't see it in theaters, but the the one thing that told me that Rise was just another, you know a hit or miss movie for me that year was that it starred James Franco. (laughs) Like I didn't realize that James Franco was going to be the one starring and what would end up being one of my favorite franchises uh, because I actually don't think very highly of him as an actor. I don't think I like James Franco. None of his movies. I I don't have any interest in any of his movies. What's that? When he comes out. What's that hours movie where he has to cut his arm off? 127 hours. That's a good movie. It's a good movie. It was. Um, But, uh, but anyway, who knew that we'd be talking about how incredible this franchise was here today? The thing about it, of all of them, like Guardians is like a weird thing um, to come out and be so popular. I think Planet of the Apes, I think it's incredible that it has a place in 2017. Because the premise, for a casual moviegoer, the premise could seem so stupid. You know what I mean? Like apes taking over the planet. Like... Even even the old movies could appear that way. It's like yeah. if you're trying to con- tell your tell someone about the Planet of the Apes franchise, it could seem silly. 
and maybe it had its place back in the when it was the 60s 70s whatever it was but it's so funny to me that a movie with this premise is such a successful not only successful but a deep and unique franchise like it's a unique blockbuster it doesn't it's not a blockbuster in all of the other reasons that something like Spider-Man Homecoming is or it's not overtly science fiction. It's not superhero. We popcorn. I mean, obviously it's science fiction, but you know, there's not spaceships flying around or anything like that. There's not light, light swords going on. Right. There's nobody swinging from buildings or flying on jetpacks. It's, it's a relatively grounded, uh, sort of franchise. Now uh, my question for you, uh, commercially, where does this thing compare in in terms of numbers and success with something like an MCU movie or you know some of these huge huge blockbusters? Is this something that people are flocking out to see in droves like those other films? Well, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was very successful, and I think that because of that, even more people uh, will be excited for War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Dawn did about two hundred and eight domestic, and the worldwide was seven ten. Uh, 710 million and if you want to compare that to the first guardians is that total total worldwide i mean 710 and if you and the beast opened right under its total number do what beauty and the beast opened right under 200 domestic Yeah. yeah um whoops i put up guardians of the galaxy volume two uh comparing dawn i think they came out the same year uh dawn and the first guardians but uh, the worldwide gross for Guardians was seven seventy three, so it's sixty three million more than Dawn of the Planet of the Apes worldwide. Interesting. So yeah, so yeah, I guess in comparison to the two, it's definitely a smaller. It's smaller, but it's still big. It, it's, yeah, it's smaller because you can't make toys. <laughs> I think <laughs> essentially. What, I think one of the interesting things about this film how long how long ago did the the second film come out yeah that's what i was saying i think they came out the same year so it would have been the summer of 2014 interesting okay so yeah it it seems strange that these movie and it makes sense that that they're like this but it seems strange to me that they're as far apart as they are because we so so many of these big huge blockbusters are are about frequency like we're getting multiple mcu movies per year we're getting Star Wars is such a consistent reminder that it even exists that these movies I kind of forget about. Like, it's like, oh, there's a, a Planet of the Apes film coming out. Um, I don't know. It's just strange. It's just strange to me. It's fascinating that uh, that maybe do you think there's any validity to the fact that because this isn't a franchise that people are constantly talking about, constantly being reminded of? I mean, does a Planet of the Apes comic book exist? I'm sure there is somewhere, but... I don't know if they brought that back or not. I'm sure they have. I'm sure Kevin Marks will correct us. Do you think that hurts a franchise like this? Obviously, they're doing fine but money-wise, but do you think it hurts it compared to other franchises? What hurts it? The fact that this isn't necessarily a prolific no. sort of story. Not hurts it, but... Compared to other big I don't know if I understand the question. I don't think anything hurts this franchise. Do you think it could do better if it was a if if it was a more frequently uh discussed they were putting out more content 
centered around it more frequently. Well, sure. I think you could say that about anything. Right. But it, but it also doesn't need it because it's already very successful. And I think it's already surpassed every expectation. Do you think they do more after this? Um, I, I would think so. Okay. I would think so. But it, but again, it depends on how you end this story. I mean, I don't know if Caesar's finally going to die in this one or not. So perhaps an animated series on Disney XD that nobody will get to watch. The question is, will this be a better war film than July 21st Dunkirk? No. Why not? That's impossible. <laughs> I want to talk about Dunkirk. To take to take your words, that's impossible. That just won't happen. The the Dunkirk film uh, by Christopher Nolan. He, he's one of our favorite directors. Um, people, you know, people go to the movies to watch his films, not because of what they're about, but because of his name. I was going to say, people go to the theaters to watch his film. That's right. I mean, exactly. Um, he's I, the star of the film. I will admit that when it first came out that Christopher Nolan was doing a World War II movie, I was underwhelmed. I really was. I, I remember Why is that, it? I remember that day. Because you have Christopher Nolan built his um, career based on like um, things that he wrote with his brother that were like ideas like Interstellar and Inception and Memento. And he was like changing cinema um these very complex ideas and concepts and 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 also while making arguably one of the best trilogies of all time um one of the best superhero franchises of all time that changed the way movies were made not just superhero movies they the dark knight changed the way all movies it changed the expectations the expectation of what we what we expect and (laughs) yeah sorry i'm not thinking very very good and t- take a break. Um, Interstellar. <laughs> we talked about this the other day. How uh, it was such. Why are we a, talking about Interstellar so much on this podcast? I don't know, because it deserves a sequel. No, um, <laughs> Interstellar was so wildly a widely debated film even today, and I think you and I have found that we like it more and more. Um, I think we even talked about it recently that you <laughs> got really mad when someone was talking down about it yeah um because you just couldn't believe that someone like it's still a good film absolutely um that has problems yeah but but we're talking about interstellar to this day and it came out a couple years ago but it's like are we going to be talking about dunkirk for this long like is does dunkirk fit what we know as the christopher nolan brand and as time has gone on and the trailers have come out the film looks great they're always gorgeous when you look at a Christopher Nolan trailer, but it's like, why, why wouldn't he do something bigger and better? And the more I think about it, it's about legacy. And you and I, one of our favorite conversations that we've ever had in our group text was about who was the next Steven Spielberg. I like how, you, how you're agreeing that that's one of our favorite, but that was a conversation you spurred on. What? It's a good conversation. I said it was one of my one of my favorite conversations that we've ever had. Okay. And we had I don't remember who fought for whom, but I think it came down to JJ and Steven Spielberg or uh Christopher Nolan who are not similar uh in, in so many ways, but at the same time depending on the criteria, you They're similar argue, that they're good. Yeah, but based on the cri- on the criteria that was presented, we were debating who was the next Steven Spielberg. 
And I'm leaning towards Dolan based on legacy and the fact that he has a, a wider variety of film and he makes his own movies. Whereas maybe you could argue that we're not sure what a JJ Abrams movie is aside from super eight because he does so much work in existing franchises um, and remove. Well, actually Christopher Nolan created that Batman. Um, um, But anyway, so I just, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I was so, uh, it was so easy to write off at first. But it's now on my list for a reason. Um, I, I'm getting more and more excited as it's coming out. Well, the any going into any Christopher Nolan film, one of the most enticing things about going to watch his films is just how he is going to execute any given concept. As I just hit my mic stand, how he is going to execute any concept it is. Now, so far these concepts have been larger than life. They've been very, like I said, complex and intricate. And that, that alone can make for a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. World War II or anything that's a, you know, sort of a, a nonfiction sort of property like that. It's always not <laughs> the nonfiction property of World War Two. <laughs> exactly. It's always it's always going to have a, a little bit less glitz and glamour behind it because there's so much that already exists. I mean, if we were doing this podcast when Saving Private Ryan came out, I don't know if it's something we would be breaking down the door to go watch that film. Now that is an unbelievably made film. That's a fucking great movie. And I don't think anybody would have said that that movie was going to be as good as it was outside of the fact that it had Steven Spielberg attached to it and it had Tom Hanks and a young Matt Damon and all that, all those other people that were involved in it. That movie uh, didn't have its name up in lights probably you're making a lot of wild accusations. Why is that? I don't. I mean, I don't remember anything about that movie coming out, but it was because we were young. I think you're just assuming that no one thought that movie was going to be good. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a movie, a movie like that, coming out today, which could essentially be called Dunkirk, it, it, people wouldn't be getting excited about Saving Private Ryan today in the same way that they would be getting excited about. Uh, Dunkirk. I disagree completely. But the only reason you would be excited is because of what? Steven Spielberg. But Steven Spielberg, his track record was way more immaculate than Christopher Nolan. Does Christopher Nolan not have a good track record? He does, but he's a lot younger. (laughs) Right, obviously. Spielberg has decades on him when you compare him to this. But but we're still having the same... But we're still having the same conversation. Uh, uh, a larger than life director with a huge name, a huge name that's that's has huge billing with a good track record. I'm not talking about the length of their track record. We're talking about the exact same things. Well, you, I thought and, you said that more people are excited for Dunkirk than they were at the time for. No, I'm not. Com- I'm not. Compa- I'm not comparing those two. Like, oh, this one over this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they have the same things about them. Yeah. 
It's just, it's different time, but it's difficult to get, no, there isn't, is there a fanboy community? I'm I'm sure there is. Is there a fanboy community for World War II films? I mean, John Roca, I guess. Absolutely. I have no, yeah, but it's not, you know, we're not having. They're pod- probably not boys. They're probably fan guys or fan, fan grandpas. Yeah. I, is there a Jedi? I mean, I'm sure there's this too. Is there a Jedi council for like World War II movies? No. I don't know. No, there's not. So, so that's what I'm saying. It's hard to think about a movie like this or get excited about a movie like this because the current landscape that exists doesn't service this type of film. It just You're doesn't. Beating the shit out of your knee. It just doesn't. It doesn't exist for this, but that doesn't. This is more of a commentary on us as film watchers. I'm still fucking hyped as shit for this movie because it is a Christopher Nolan movie that is a challenge. This is a challenge for him. It's not science fiction. It's not fantasy or whatever. You know, I think it's even less of a challenge for him. You think it's less of a challenge? Yeah. Why is that? Because all of it in his other previous movies, you have to balance so much uh, – uh, premise and large ideas and mash them in to make a coherent story. I think a movie like Inception and Interstellar is a much greater challenge than telling a true story from World War Two. Okay, but to do it to do it well, I mean, those movies are still, even though they're successful, they're still relatively niche. I mean, in a greater landscape, the the uh, those movies got. To where they are today because of of word of mouth, I would assume, wouldn't you think? I mean, obviously, people came out initially for them, the big fans of by that the time, type of media. By the time you get to a movie like Inception and how big that was, niche is not the word for that. It's not niche, Ryan Snelling, but to cross over, you've got to break down this bubble thing, dude. You the you just said it was niche <laughs> when <laughs> no, it when it first came out. Is it is no. it? It wasn't it, when it came out. It wasn't out. niche when it first came out. Absolutely not. I disagree with you because when a film like that comes out and then people are talking about it, have you seen this movie about crazy dream stuff? The word of mouth gets out there. It's the same thing. I just wa- Did you watch uh, Mailbag today that was messed up on Collider? Do you know what Titanic opened up on first week? No. $20 million first week. It's the second highest grossing film of all time because of why? Because of word of mouth, people getting out there talking about how great this movie was. I'm talking about its pop culture. Uh, it's pop. It was also like 20 years ago when inflation was very different. Okay, regardless. Opening weekend for Inception was 62 million, and it's which overall, is incredible for a movie that's not a franchise. And its overall gross was what? Eight hundred twenty-five million, which was more than the previous two blockbusters that we've discussed. Right. So that's, to me at least, that supports what I'm saying. It, the initial response in the theater when it first came out wasn't as big as what the word of mouth response is over time. Now the discussion behind this, the, I don't follow that. Okay, that's it's just my point of view. It's my opinion. I don't know what you want me to do. So the uh, the other part of the conversation with Dunkirk is the fact that this movie more than any, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, more than any other of Christopher Nolan's films carries probably a little bit more likelihood of Oscar buzz behind it. Do you think so? Just because of the premise, Oscars like stuff like this. Yes, but I don't know if it actually will be represented just due to the fact that it's going to be released in summer. Right. Of course. And but then again, that's unfortunate. Then again, Inception was nominated for an Oscar, so right. it just it just depends. And, and that that is unfortunate 
for so many reasons. But regardless, I think I think you're a hundred percent right. Like somebody like Christopher Nolan needs a film like this in his catalog. If this is yeah. if this is a is a, a really good movie, if this movie is even scratches the surface as good as some of his other films are, so many people are going to go see this movie. You know who's going to go see this movie that probably hasn't been to any of his other films? Older generations that want to see war movies, that grew up watching war movies and loving war movies. This movie has more crossover appeal outside of the niche and outside of the bubble than I think so many people are giving it credit for. And maybe we might not see it the first week, uh, first weekend when it comes out. But I think over time, this movie is going to do great. I wonder if my uh, grandparents who don't know what Airbnb is will go see this. <laughs> I, Probably more than any of the other five movies that we're going to talk about, or if, the other, or the total five movies. If this movie is great it will get word of mouth to people that probably don't go see as many movies. It, I mean, that's a huge section of the population that probably don't aren't, uh, you know, appealed by uh, or don't have the same appeal for Marvel films or horror or, uh, you know, star Wars and stuff like that. Right. That was a hell of a conversation. It was <laughs> the final film, which I don't, I don't know if you know anything about, I was blown away by the trailer. Catherine Bigelow's Detroit. I don't know anything about this. Not only do I not know anything about it beyond the trailer, I don't know anything about the real life event where like Detroit was on lockdown and there were riots and there were, and it basically tore the city apart. Sounds like a crazy movie. I have, I had no idea about this. I think it happened in like 70, maybe late sixties, early seventies, uh, shortly after the civil rights movement. But, uh, Catherine Bigelow, who, recently has made a name for herself by creating such real drama first with the heart locker. Um, and then, uh, zero dark 30, which actually was in a film. I really, I didn't really care for it. Um, but the fact that this is basically an education on something that I'm fascinated by, just based on the trailer, the fact that it stars John Boyega, the fact that it has, uh, John Krasinski in there. And also, uh, the guy who, um, got really big from, Oh, what's, what was that movie with, um, I've forgotten everybody. Who's the guy, J- um, who's the guy, Jason Sudeikis, yeah. We're the Millers, that's right. The kid from We're the Millers and Maze Runner. I can't think of what it is. Do you have a was. Jason Sudeikis impression? He's just a guy. Okay. He's is just it? he's just a guy kind of doing Vince Vaughn. I'm Jason Sudeikis. Go to T-Public. So you don't know anything about, about Detroit? I don't know anything about it. A uh, huge fan of the Hurt Locker. I think it's a. Uh, oh yeah. Who's Luke said that was an overrated movie. I think you're crazy. He's wrong. It's a. It's a really good movie. The only. Uh, only thing Jimmy Renner's ever been good at. No, I'm just kidding. Jimmy Renner is a really good actor. He has some unfortunate roles. Though. He's the most. He's like the. He's like the Guillermo del Toro of actors. He just Hollywood never gives him what he wants. Never gives him a break. <laughs> like, yeah. Like. <laughs> He's the cleanup act. How many times have have you read a story or heard about Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro wanting to make a movie in Hollywood? Just like, no things. <laughs> it happens in general, but I feel like his name is attached to more. He's just so mistreated. And Jeremy Renner, they try to give him franchises, and then they take him away just as quickly. Um, but anyway. He has I, nothing to do with this movie other than he was. I know. We just had to. Look, I, so you've seen, uh, is it Guard the Block? Is that what it's called? Attack the block. Attack the block. Oh yeah. Whatever it's called. So, uh, 
haven't seen that. And a I've, movie that you could have watched over Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I could have. Uh, I, I need to watch that film. Also, a big fan of, <laughs> of The Force Awakens. We watched a John Boyega film not that long ago. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called. It was not good at all. But he was not bad in it. Um, that movie suffered from poor writing. But I'm excited for this guy to get out there uh, more, more so in other things besides Star Wars. He's also got that movie, is it called The Circle? coming out yeah, yeah, yeah. with Tom Hanks. And look, it's clear that it's in his contract that he can only do American accents. Now he can't do a British accent anymore. It's, it's just a requirement, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see him in something like this and to have a, a, a director like her who, who can bring out some, something extra, I think in, in actors. And he's such a good young talent. Um, I need to watch the trailer for sure. Definitely. Let's uh, we'll watch it when we get to our break. Uh, you can follow the poll at Sight Sound Pod on Twitter. Are Jeremy Renner and Guillermo del Toro the most mistreated men in Hollywood? Was that the last one? Yes or no? And then uh, of course we have which movie are you most excited for this summer? And I left the four main options aside from uh, Detroit. And did I do the Interstellar poll? I don't know. Does anyone actually need or want a sequel for Interstellar? That's on the Twitter poll. <laughs> Um, that's all I got for uh, that's it? The, the summer movie preview. That's, that's all it? five. Yeah. What the hell? There's honorable mentions, but that's the my five. number one movie that I want to see this year. Besides Star Wars, The Last Jedi is Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming. And that movie is everything to me right now. It's an honorable mention. I absolutely cannot wait for this film. I think Tom Holland is an, a G. Hey, it, if... If I wanted it to, I would make all five of these movies superhero films, and I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to switch it up a bit. But uh, yeah, I, I'm anticipating all the five movies listed: Homecoming, uh, Wonder Woman. Those were honorable mentions, but uh, I went with these five. Yeah, well, talk just real quick about the one that I'm looking forward to the most: Spider-Man: Homecoming. I think it looks really fun. Screw what everybody else. The stupid criticisms, people. Oh, it's an Iron Man movie. Who cares? Who cares what it is? It's a. It looks like a really fun movie. Just go sleep somewhere. And it's. Uh, I, I think Tom Holland is was fantastic in in Civil War. He is the Peter Parker and the Spider Man that I think we've always wanted, that we've always deserved. He's back home, literally. In this style of movie, when they said that they were essentially going to make Spider Man like Harry Potter going through Hogwarts, sign me the fuck up right now. Take all my money, and I just want these things. I think Spider-Man looks great. I think it's going to be the best Marvel movie ever made. <laughs> no, it probably won't be, but uh, it'll be it'll be a good time for sure. I think we will be fist-pumping in that movie. Also, uh, Childish Gambino is in it. I mean, sign Christian up. He'll be there for sure. What is the likeliness that we will get Redbone in a second movie this year? I just think that trailer showed a little bit too much. Well, who cares? Because uh, that's what trailers are supposed to do. Yeah, maybe if the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer showed a, showed too showed much, a little bit more, I'd be Jay high would on be it. more excited. That's right. <laughs> Give me a little bit more. Um, Throw Tony Stark in there. <laughs> hey, it might actually happen. But, uh, but anyway... 
that's it for the the summer movie preview. Uh, we'll take a break and then do music. Let's do it. Let's talk about something that Ryan may or may not have anything to say about. Or maybe I've catered the conversation to him a little bit too much. We'll be right back. Did you know that Sight and Sound has a YouTube channel? If you didn't, you need to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Sight and Sound. Or you can find a link in the description of this podcast. But yeah, if you're wanting more Sight and Sound content, you can get a ton of it over on our YouTube page. There's a lot more content over there. I do music reviews. Ryan talks about movies. We talk about TV, obviously. And yeah, it's kind of a, a nice little place to go if you need some more sight and sound in your life. So off air, we uh, we listened to all of the songs or uh, song singles from the albums that I'm going to be talking about. Also, fix you a cup of coffee. How's that? How's a cup of coffee? It's good coffee. Tastes like coconut. Yeah, it's a coconut creamer. It's a little something for that ass. Um, make sure it's healthy. You got a healthy ass these days? No. Okay. Um, so we listened to all of the songs off air, and I've told you what's on my list. How how comfortable and confident are you are are you in talking about these? Uh, I'm I'm mostly comfortable. Good. With, with talking about all of these, I kept you in mind, but also uh, they're some of some of the biggest and most important releases that I found. Let me just. Well, I'll spend a, I'll spend my time uh, focusing on the Twitter poll this round. Okay, so I'm <laughs> going to just throw this out there. The this year so far has been a little bit lackluster with music. There have been some great albums that have come out. the The Kendrick album that just came out, which we didn't get to talk much about, but I put a, a album review up on our YouTube page if you want to check that out. Also talked about it a little bit on my music episode. Uh, the what else has come out? The Code Orange album I thought was really, really good that came out. Um, Run the Jewels had an album that came out that was really, really good as well. That Northland album. Northland album was great. Uh, the Sampha album, my favorite album of the year so far. I had far. a dream about Sampha. Oh, boy. Really? Yes. I had a dream. What? <laughs> I'm just remembering this. Yeah. I had a dream that uh, you and I were actually walking down the street and we saw a guy with a hood over his head and he approached us but he wasn't letting us look at him but he was asking for directions okay and i <laughs> you were like talking to him i pulled my phone out and i don't know why but i just slowly started moving around to where his face was actually looking and then i don't know why i was recording him but once i got around him i saw that it was sampha oh boy and he knew what he knew that i was onto him and I don't remember what else happened, but we discovered that it was Sampha, and I think uh, the two of us became friends with him. Seems like <laughs> a really a, nice guy. That's a that's he, all I got for him. He really does. Have you listened to that album much? Uh, I, I've listened to it just the one time, but I yeah. listened to it it's in, in its entirety. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting album right now for me because uh, obviously I love it, but Kayla, lady friend, she recently. She liked it. She liked some of the songs on the surface, but lately she's been digging deeper on the album, listening to it all the way through, and she's discovering it for the first time, sort of, like really falling in love with it. And it's kind of, it's catching its second wind with me, which has just been 
so pleasant. This oh, that's good. Been a pleasurable maybe, experience. Maybe it'll catch second one with me here here soon too. Yeah. So, but other than that, this year it's been a little slow for music. Last year, the entire year was insane. So many huge artists dropping albums. So many big albums coming out. And uh, I'm also going to preface this by saying that Ryan and I are both big fans of of rock music, metal, and hardcore and punk. That landscape is essentially barren in the summer. I mean, I don't know why. Maybe because Warp Tour is coming around and all those bands are putting out albums. We obviously had the Amir album, which was incredible. Um, it was just kind of okay. But <laughs> there are bands putting albums out. There's like a Motionless and White album, but those bands aren't relevant. And um, Oh, you're going to get Luke after you if yeah. he's still listening. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it is what it is. But from this point <clears throat> moving forward – Things are getting a little crazy, like a lot of really big albums coming out. I think there's a pretty big album to talk about for every week for the next few months, so to speak. But I also have to say this, even though it's our summer preview, this list only goes to June because after June, there are no albums on the schedule because people we're in this landscape right now where people are releasing surprise albums, the turnaround albums are much much shorter they're not really forecasting them out in the distance but we do have some to talk about uh just just for shits and gigs is there anything not on our list that you know about (laughs) i didn't even know about half of the list so okay so no there's nothing that i am anticipating yeah um i Half the time we're reacting I, to things that have I, come out on this yeah, podcast. Anyways, I, I need I need you to guide me as always um, because uh, I pretty much just tune this tune this out unless <laughs> unless you're talking about it. So okay, I mean all of the music that I listen to is I just listen to balance and composure. <laughs> That's pretty much all I listen to. That's so. good. What about the new Northlane? Uh, I've only heard it with you. I like it, but I just I haven't listened to it by myself yet. It's going to be one of those things in a year. You're going to be like. Why haven't you told me about North Lane? And I'm going to be so mad at you, like Basement was. Uh, another great good. album. So yeah. let's uh, let's just kick it off here. The first album on this list, probably the one that you have the least to say, is uh, a new at the Drive-In album called Interalia. Comes out May 5th. That's just next week. That's uh, Guardians Day. Absolutely. So wonder who won that weekend. <laughs> this band is important to talk about because people have been waiting for this album since 1999. In 1999, they released an album called Relationship of Command, uh, which if the people out there who might not know about at the drive-in, they are uh, the vocalist and the guitar player and some other people in the band were the Mars Volta. The the, the band, the Mars Volta, uh, after at the drive-in broke up, they formed two bands, the Mars Volta and Sparta. And <laughs> I've heard of both of those bands before at the drive-in. Actually. Right. So at the drive-in in 1999, put out an album called relationship of command was a pinnacle of the genre of post hardcore post hardcore music, uh, became what it was that we knew about it with screamo and, and all yeah, of that yeah, yeah. stuff came as a result from bands like at the drive-in glass jaw, um, who else am I forgetting about? Um, I'm blanking. Uh, the Refuse is another band that people often cite. Bands like Under Oath often cite at the drive-in as a prime influence of their music. Uh, this album, Relationship of Command, when it came out, caught a ton of fire with uh, their single One Arm Scissor. Uh, 
you probably know it if you heard it, to be honest with you. But as soon as this album came out and and was big, I mean, it was a big album when it came out, they broke up like almost immediately. It was one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened. Uh, Rolling Stone went to name that album Relationship of Command as one of the most influential albums of the decade. That's how impressive this project was. I don't, I'm not saying this is a criticism. Right. I'm shocked that I, it took me so long to hear about this band. Like I said, I heard of Mars Volta and Sparta before at the drive-in. I, I had never heard of at the drive-in until like this past year, like when we started doing sight and sound and I was in this music space, I was doing what you say they essentially started. So it just kind of blows my mind that I was so ignorant to this band. In, in fairness to, if you want to start this poll, you can. It's uh, has anyone ever heard of at the drive-in? Yes or no? Uh, you just want to be that cut and dry. Absolutely. Um, and I would be fascinated if we even get any responses. To be quite frank, because most of our spaces. Well, we'll at least get no's. Yeah, that's true. Most of our space is taken up by uh, movie goers and whatnot, but that's fine. And some TV people as well. There's a handful of music fans sprinkled in there, but. To be fair to everything that I've said, all of this stuff that I'm saying, I'm sure people are listening like, well, I was a big fan of all those other bands you've said. How come, you know, I'm not turned on to this band? Every band has other bands that they're influenced by that you go back and listen to and you think, I don't really care for this that much. I mean, we listened to one of their new singles. Uh, and that's the story here is that they have a new album coming out. They've regrouped. They regrouped a few years back and uh, were one of the headliners, I think, of Coachella. And that was a big story that this band was coming back together. Uh, pretty- they headlined Coachella? They headlined one of the stages. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, one of the stages. I was going to say headlining Coachella is like what I thought Beyonce was supposed to yeah, do no, this year. That, My it, goodness. It was one of the stages, okay. probably one of the smaller stages, but it was a big story at the That'd time. That'd be really fucking impressive. I mean, this is when they announced that they had an album coming out. They, It was like headline news on Pitchfork and stuff. I mean, wow. on Rolling Stone. It's a. It was a big deal because ro- – that era was one of the last eras that rock bands could really break through to that moment. I mean, that was at the tail end of, you know, or not the tail end, but like the peak of new metal and stuff. So, sure. so the media was sort of keeping their ear to the ground on rock music. And this was like a breath of fresh air, a band that took influence from punk and uh, early, or I'm sorry, uh, early era emo to a certain extent, and even some punk and hardcore uh if anybody out there has ever heard of Fugazi at the drive-in is sort of akin to some of the stuff that they were doing. But this band, when they, when they broke, when they broke up and they sort of went away, people have always been wanting them to come back. Well, now they're getting it with this new album called Interalia. One of my favorite things about this story, you know, the record label they signed to fueled by ramen rise fucking records really? signed this band wow. and rise records. I mean, they're a record label, that Ryan and I both have have been listening to their bands for a long time, sort of rose to prominence uh, in the early 2000s when, you know, bands like The Devil Wears Prada, a bunch of bands that that we like and kind of grew up with in high school and in college are signed to this record label. One of my favorite things that this record label does, uh, Craig something, I forget the guy who runs that record label, but... I'm not sure either. He basically signs all these bands that a lot of teenagers and whatnot like, 
and, <laughs> and, and that's great. And they, and they make him a lot of money. But one of the things that he does is he sort of goes back and signs older bands that he was a fan of growing up. Bands like uh, Piebald, Hot Water Music. Uh, the Early November was a band that he signed Sick. to to Rise Records to sort of put. And for him to land on at the drive-in, I'm sure was like finding the golden fucking snitch. I mean, this this was a huge grab. I'm so I was so hyped when I heard about this. Unfortunately, every single single they've put every single single they've put out has not been great. This band for me, I'm getting flashbacks right now to reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy. to reviewing that Seosin album we reviewed. Oh no. Really? When we reviewed that album on yeah. in the Galaxy uh my other podcast, one of the things we touched on is has certain elements of music that we used to like, have we moved on too much from that? So basically, you don't think this would be the album that would get me into at the drive-in? Mm, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I haven't heard it. But the the singles that they've come out with, absolutely not. It's really disappointing. Uh, the, the one that you played for me before we hit record, I kind of thought that the sound sounded old. Yeah. Is that true? So is does it sound like for them, is this an evolution or are they sounding like what they like does it <laughs> did they pick up where they left off? That's a good question. Honestly, to me, this sounds like older guys trying to make music they were making back then, okay. n- knowing more about making music today. Okay. And unfortunately, w- one of the things that was so great about that uh, at the drive-in album relationship of command was the raw energy that they had from being young, from touring around in bands, that angst that you have as a, like a, a 20, a younger 20 something year old being in a band, that excitement that you have that we both know a little bit about and the experimentalism that comes with that as well. Anytime bands like this pick back up and there's so many examples of it these days, so many bands in this space and this type of rock music broke up and decided, hey, we should do that again. Let's go around for our victory lap. And I don't know if it's really paid off in most instances. Like, I don't know a lot of examples. Like, I think Further Seems Forever put out an album with Chris Caraba again, and that was pretty decent. Um, the Seosin one was a I was little... Say, it certainly didn't work for Seosin, yeah, that's for sure. It was a little bit lackluster. And, like, for me, when I hear these songs, my main criticism with them is they are thinking way too hard about this. It's like they've just forgotten how to write good songs. I don't think they're that great. Now, it has to be said, one major factor of the band when they when they put out Relationship of Command is no longer with them, and that's Jim Ward, who was the guitarist and vocalist for the band that went on to start Sparta. He's not in the band anymore, but it sounds like his vocal parts are like... They they took the spots where he was supposed to be and they just added the same vocalist, like their main, their lead singer into those parts and it just doesn't sound good. Yeah, yeah. Like he always brought like a more straightforward rock vibe to this experimentalism of this band and that's like the number one thing that's missing for me. I am very, very skeptical about this album. Straightforward in the way that like Jeremy from A Day to Remember is kind of straightforward. To a, cer- you mean? to a certain extent, I mean, like easy would be the word that I would use. Is I would say his parts easy. I would say he brought the Aaron Gillespie vibe to the Under Oath sort of thing. Okay, that disambiguation Under Oath album that he wasn't on was very apparent that he wasn't on that album. Yeah, extremely apparent. 
Okay. Uh, it, it would be like the Dance Gavin Dance with just John Mess. <laughs> That's actually, I, I'm with you now based on that. I, yeah. I, I can get there, even though I would hate that. And 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 I, I'm maybe giving him a little too much credit, to be fair. At the end of the day, it just sounds like, I mean, imagine if, like, I know you would love this, but imagine if you tried to get your old band back together to make the exact same type of music that you tried to make back then like would wouldn't you expect to at least acknowledge the fact that you've grown as musicians to the point where you're going to be making some different music oh if brave the storm came back we'd be hitting everybody in the nuts that's for sure (laughs) i don't know about that but it would be an interesting it would be an interesting experiment to say the least but i'm i'm looking forward to hearing you fund will you fund that no okay i'm trying to fund my own music experience that's right uh, just dropped to uh, separator tracks. By the way, shameless plug. Sight and Sound YouTube channel. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm looking forward to listening to it, and I will be reviewing that album. Um, I had no idea that this was going to come out this year. People had been talking about a new at the drive-in album for a few years now, ever since they got back together. But moving on. Hold on. Right now on the Twitter poll, has anyone ever heard of the band at the drive-in? And have you heard of the bands Sparta or the Mars Volta before hearing about at the drive-in? At sight sound. Has anybody responded to either of them? Yes. Really? Results. I'm saving the results. I was very skeptical about you starting this thing, but it's, it's pulling off or pulling up. We're pulling it off. Can I, I'm going to guess the people that have, uh, voted in these just because of their, their typical interactions. Chris Woodburn. Uh, I have no idea. Matt Whitehurst, (laughs) Kevin Marks, Luke Jaggers. Who else? I don't know. Kinetic Fox. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Is that, is that Christina Kinetic Fox? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe one of the best Twitter names that exists. Um, <laughs> pretty badass. All right. Moving on. The new Paramore album. Ow! After laughter coming out. After laughter. That rhymes. Coming Oof. out May twelfth. Mm. Oof. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Paramore? Paramore is awesome. First of all, don't go too deep into this because when this album comes up we'll pro- it'll probably be a topic on the podcast but yeah and i'm looking forward to it paramore is awesome uh i was a huge fan of riot like everyone was incredible album it is the it's only so full good. paramore paramore album i can listen to from front to so back. uh we might have done this before but just for our audience um if you use the ryan snelling algorithm what is my favorite song off that album uh, I can't remember. I don't remember. Well, you usually throw out three. Right. I th- was it Let the Flame Begin? No. It was, oh, it was Hallelujah. Yeah, there 100%. you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Riot was incredible. And even uh, their more recent stuff that's become more pop radio, love it. So music it. music plays uh, over the speakers at work while I'm peeing in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And very frequently... Uh, one of their songs comes on. What was their most recent like big hit? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Ain't it fun? Yeah. Listen to me. Ain't it fun? Okay. Please stop. The if you don't like that song, you have no soul. That song is incredible. Here, here's my thing. Still into you is the other big one too. Here's my thing with Paramore. I feel like the greater music landscape needs Paramore. They need this band. 
this is a band. I talk about it all the time with bands that I, I, you know, do I expect them to progress over time? Do I need them to push the boundaries of change? Paramore is completely, they're completely removed from that discussion. I don't care what they do. They, all I need them to do is keep putting out good songs, good music, really well-written pop rock songs. That's all I need from them because music today doesn't have that type of band. Yeah. For me, they are one of the most important rock bands that exists right now. So I would say in the generation before this one, you had bands like a Lincoln Park, which we might be talking about here in a minute. You had bands like the Foo Fighters. I mean, before that, you had uh, bands like Nirvana and and Pearl Jam, and you know every every generation has that rock band that they sort of look to, and there are other rock bands out there that exist right now, uh, but none as consistent and making great rock music that that crosses uh, crosses the boundaries and and crosses over into other realms like Paramore, um, and the fact that they're led by such an incredible female singer is amazing as well have you ever claimed to have a crush on Haley williams no not once i think she's a very very lovely lady but not my type i was gonna say i think <laughs> at least back in my day when we were playing this type of music and really into the album right i think all of us were sort of in awe uh, of Haley williams um I, I do think she's incredible and um she has probably one of the best foo fighter covers on really record. Have you heard her, My Hero? I haven't. Did you know that you've never heard her cover of My Hero? <laughs> did you? Wow. Know, did you know that she frequently comes out and so there's a Deftone song um, that she comes out and does the the vocals for. She replaces Maynard James Keenan from Tool's part and she performs with. Oh wow, Deftones all I'd the time. I'd love to hear that. It's great. Um, this song. What was the name of the song? This this new single. The uh, hard times. Hard times. This felt like. I felt like this movie or this song was playing in a movie starring Molly Ringwald. Absolutely. I mean, it's That's got 80s like. vibes for sure. It's like a John Hughes <laughs> song. And and if I'm being honest about it, I'm not a huge fan of them taking this approach. But like I said already, they're completely off the hook for me even feeling that way. Because at the end of the day, it is a good song. And I say it all they, the time. They pull it off. If a song is good, a song is good. Now, I I talked about this off air, I think, in our group text with you and Luke, he had said that it reminded him a little bit. I don't remember what band specifically that he said, but it, he had mentioned that it definitely had eighties vibes. To me, it reminds me of the most recent Carly Rae Jepsen album, which got huge critical praise, even on uh, really wild sites like pitchfork, giving it a lot of, a lot of hype uh, for having that sort of retro vibe to it, that sort of eighties vibe. But at this point, that is that approach is getting a little bit tired. Like a lot of people are, <laughs> they feel like they're exploring synthesizers for the first time. So they go directly to having like an eighties new wave sort of influence. I'm fine with it. Oh, he said the 1975 and I do get that vibe. Absolutely. But I think it's a good song. It's a, it's a good approach for them to take. And it's, it's time, it's time for another Paramore album to come out to be really really good also they live right outside of nashville so maybe we'll see him married to chad gilbert the guitar player of newfound glory the one oh, i was gonna say is that the one that looks like quentin tarantino but that's the lead singer yeah um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I would assume that Haley Williams will be at the balance show. Maybe I don't know. She might be. What if she did? You guest never, box? you never know with her. That's what's so cool about her and that band is they they have such man. This is so important to talk about. Paramore has so much crossover appeal ever since. I mean, they have for a long time in general, but ever since she did that airplane song with Bob, uh, and I think performed yeah, yeah, on yeah. like the MTV Video Music Awards with him. I mean, that really exposed her and that band to so many other people. And it's just, it's so great that they still have such a connection with the rock music community. I remember seeing bands like 30 Seconds to Mars go on tour with Under Oath before and and thinking to myself, do they even know that this style of music exists? Like, I know that they're touring with them, but do do they comprehend that they're not, the only band out there that's as big as they are. And I, I think, I think when bands like Paramore go across a certain level, they sometimes lose touch. Weren't, wasn't Haley Williams or Paramore in general, I think, weren't they huge uh, or weren't they uh, close friends with the chariot? Absolutely. I was going to say, she was on a, uh, a the chariot album. <laughs> She's saying, I mean, she's gone on record as saying in, in the earlier days of her performing that she took most of her live performance cues from Spencer Chamberlain of Under Oath. And if you watch her, the way sure. she moves, is that a song? The way she moves, uh, she has her microphone taped up like he, he did and she like does. was yeah, swinging yeah, yeah. around and do this. I don't know. It's crazy. It's, and I love that. I love that they still have that connection. They even have their own fucking boat. They have a cruise. <laughs> they have a cruise called Parahoy where they go, they take a cruise out to sh- out to sea. You can watch it on YouTube, them performing on this fucking boat. It's really? great. That's and, cool. And they take bands out like Newfound Glory and stuff. Helicopter? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I just love it. I-, I think they're such a pleasant band. If you have something bad to say about Paramore, fuck you. Get out of here. Right now on the Twitter poll, how does Paramore get to their cruise ship? Don't, Helicopter don't, or smaller boat? Don't post that. Don't post that. We have <laughs> we have to have an integrity with these polls. No, we don't. Integrity blues. <laughs> All right, let's move along to probably the one you're looking more looking the most forward to. Uh the Lincoln Park album, One More Light, coming out May 19th. Now keep in mind, all three of these successive weeks. Successive or successive? Successive. Successive weeks. That's right. Sorry, I had a brain. No, what's successive? I don't. What are you going for? Is it successive weeks or successive weeks? Is that a consecutive weeks? Consecutive weeks. Like two weeks in a row. Yeah, consecutive. Like successive isn't like someone's successes. Okay, I don't know. Wow. Um, it's been a long day. This is hour number five of podcasting. (laughs) So, uh, Lincoln Park's one more light comes out May nineteenth. We talked very in-depth on our first three-hour-long episode that we did. This one might be that way, too, but about Lincoln Park's trajectory, their, uh, you know, how much impact they've made on our music listening experience, we sort of have differing opinions of that first song, Heavy. At first, you were a little down on it, but it's grown on you quite a bit. In fact, I think it's the last song you listened to on, uh, on your Spotify. I don't think what you said is true at all. I think I was always impressed. I was always impressed with the quality of the song. At first, I was down on the fact that Linkin Park might be taking this route in general. But I always thought the song... Wait, no, you're kind of right. 
Yeah. I, I, well, I, I don't think I ever disliked it. I think we always the, thought it was a good song. The but more and more I listened to it, was the it more a good Lincoln like Park song? No. Do you do you feel that way still? It's a really good song. Yeah. I, I wish agree. I wish another band was doing it, but it's a really good song. Yeah. I mean, look, we've said a lot about them on that podcast. So if you want to hear us talk in depth about it, go there. And I'm sure we'll talk about it when the album comes out. But they put out three singles so far. Heavy was the first one. And look, here's how I feel about these songs. The first one, good song, kind of lukewarm on it in general. I would say leaning more towards the negative. I don't really care that much for it because I don't want to hear them singing a song like this. The second song, Battle Symphony, I really like that song. Really, yeah, do. really, I, I really like, like it. I think you like it more than I do. I do. I, re- I think it's better than Heavy. Maybe not a better song, but a better song for Lincoln Park to perform. But that, that's not the one where uh, Shinoda comes in up top, is it? No. The other the one, one is Good Goodbye featuring Pusha T and Stormzy. Now, this song <laughs> is interesting to me because this song... Everything is great about it, except for Chester Bennington. He <laughs> ruins this song. Which is funny because you think that he is going to be the most pop thing about it, especially when they lead off with these releases with Heavy. When that came out, I thought, if this is what they're truly going to do with this album, and maybe this was me being ignorant because I, I've heard, I mean, Mike and Chester always have their places depending on what their sound is going to be on an album. So maybe it was ignorant of me to assume that it was all going to be like heavy and doing what Chester was doing. And they kind of are though. But I mean they they're they're kind of all beats from each other. Well, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I thought that Mike wasn't going to have a place at all. And and this song totally turned it around. And not only um not only did I not like you said not care about what Chester was doing, I thought it was the best Mike has ever been. I agree with you. Like Mike had, he was more of a straightforward rapper. Like in the terms of the, when Lincoln Park was out comparing him to another rapper at the time when like Ludacris was huge and people like little John, like back in the early two thousands, like he could be laughed at from yeah. all of those people. They might not take him seriously because he's kind of straightforward. He doesn't uh, rap about the hardcore life and shit but the fact the hardcore life <laughs> why did you say that like the hardcore life and shit what <laughs> are you okay does the coffee go into your head my point is i feel like mike has a place not only with what he's doing in Lincoln park but he's sort of like transcended in a way based on this i it was a mike that i had never heard of it, well, heard you, from. you it said it weird this song made made more than anything made me want a Fort Minor album. Yes, cuz Fort Minor it's one of those going back to what I said, it's kind of like people can easily look at it and think it was silly because you're you're trying to uh find a place for Fort Minor under a rap umbrella and you're like really that's like the going I don't know why I keep using the term or phrase ugly duckling, but it's like no one's going to take that album seriously as a like a hardcore rap fan isn't going to care about that but it was also pretty mm, good for, sort of it was good for what it was though you're forgetting the two features that were on it push a t i mean 
big rapper. I don't know anything about those. He's the head of Good Music, which is Kanye's label, essentially. He's like the CEO. Oh, I mean, Kanye is like the CEO. But yeah, I mean, and Stormzy, the guy that's on it, is a prominent artist in, in grime music, which is uh, UK, England, hip hop, their sort of version of it. Uh-huh. And sort of making a huge push to cross cross over the fact that that all three of these guys represent a different sort of take on rap and hip hop in this album. Let me just say this. That song almost made its way on my best uh best standalone singles of the year because it was great. It's really good. Except Chester, Chester was trash. I don't. I wouldn't say he was trash as in like he was horrible. His performance wasn't I think, bad. The, I think the point you're trying to make is that you don't need him. You don't want him on that. song. It sounded like they were. It sounded like he was lonely in the corner while they were making the song, and they figured out a way <laughs> yeah. to incorporate I, I just, him. I don't think you. I just don't think you need him, or you don't want him on the. But yeah, he didn't do anything bad. But it just maybe felt a little wrong for the song and i think most of it has to do with the approach they're obviously taking a more pop centric approach on this album that's a hundred percent the case now we could be wrong we could these could be like their three pop songs and they could come out with some more aggressive songs as deeper cuts but i don't think that's going to be the case for this i i just don't know if his voice and his approach and his style and his take fits with with this i just don't man i just don't I'm looking forward to this project. How comfortable. I'm looking forward to it just to hear the full body of work. Hopefully I'm wrong. But how comfortable are you with this direction that they're going now that we've gotten these three songs? And it seems to be the case that this is what this project is going to be. I've sort of been apart from Lincoln Park for so long that... I'm not really I'm not as phased or affected by this transition. If anything, this might be what brings me back. Um because they're doing something a little bit more accessible and maybe a less experimental. Like at least there's some kind of like concrete definition of what this album might sound like versus yeah. uh was it Hunting Party was their last album or or the I, I didn't know what it. the hell they were doing right. on that album. I had no I don't clue. think they knew what they were doing on that I was going to say. So I, I feel like they have more solid ground going into this project. And if again, if anything, this might actually be what brings me back in and gets me a little bit more involved with what they're doing. Um, so I'm surprisingly more open to it than – like if this was the album that came out after Meteora, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty funny thought. Uh, yeah, for me, I, I I don't know. I I probably which just, minutes to midnight wasn't a bad project, and they took kind of a left turn with that. Now here's the here's the monkey wrench. So I'm going to throw in this whole thing with everything that I've said, all the worry, and I haven't been a huge fan of every single thing that they put out from this. I will say that in terms of are these well written songs? A hundred percent, they are. I think all three are actually really really well written. They've written good pro or yeah, they've written good songs. If this album comes out and all of the songs are well-written, even though on the surface I might scoff at most of it and shrug my shoulders and roll my eyes, it has the potential to stick with me. It has the potential to get stuck in my head, and I could keep coming back to it. I had that same approach the first time I heard uh, That's the Spirit from 
Bring Me the Horizon. Okay. But that song or that album had so, it, I kept returning to it because of how catchy it was. And even though I thought some of the decisions they made were a little cheesy and corny, I just kept coming back to it. And the longer I spent with it, the more brilliant that I thought it was. This has the potential to do that same thing because, again, if you write a good song, a good song is a good song. And, uh, yeah, I, I I could be completely wrong by the time uh, I've spent more time with this thing. It's the one I'm most excited for on this list. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, one that I'm inc- looking forward to incredibly because this band was not on my radar. We documented this when we talked about them, but Alt-J's Relaxer album coming out on June 2nd. I have been a really big fan of these two singles that have come out. A lot the commentary around them from the greater music public has been how different they sound. I don't think they sound different at all. I think they sound about what you would expect from Alt J. All the way down to the sounds that they're using, they're using some of the same sounds that they've used in their past two albums, but they know how to write music like this. They know how to write song alt, they know how to write an Alt J song. My, I would hope so. My main criticism with Alt J is I don't know if they know how to write an Alt J album because I think from front to back, both of their albums have been incredibly disjointed uh, and they never know what idea they want to go with. And I love albums that take you on journeys. They have highs, lows, slow parts, fast parts, energetic parts, chill parts. But they they seem – you want to talk about changing channels. I mean, <laughs> my God. I don't want a rock band to be changing channels. For those of you who don't know, I always talk about how Life of Pablo sounds like uh, someone is actually changing channels in the middle of Kanye's songs. Like within an instant, it can have a completely different sound or noise just completely catch you off guard. And I thought Bound 2 was very guilty of that when that came out. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, I can believe that. So the, this, the singles that have come out haven't necessarily made me feel any better about that fact i'm sure i'll listen to it i'm sure it'll be really really good but you can't really take how the full listening experience of an album especially from a band this sort of experimental and avant-garde uh there's no way to tell how the full album is going to go but i'm very much looking forward to it uh i've really enjoyed digging deep into this band this year for those that don't know and haven't heard me talk about it but this band was completely off my radar and i sort of discovered them for the first time recently, or at least I dove deep recently and I've been listening to them nonstop. Have these songs, how are you feeling about them? Because I think when we left off with you, when we previewed, not previewed it, but talked about the announcement of a new album, you were sort of waiting for your moment. You were waiting for that moment when Alt J grabbed you. Yeah, I'm still waiting. I I haven't retained any of it. Okay, essentially, that's fair. like since we talked about it, I don't I don't even recall <laughs> listening to them. Like the 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 latest bands that we've talked about that are sort of like that are the XX and All J. They're just kind of they've already escaped me. Um, you played that one song, and uh, I remember it being the binary song because their lyrics are literally zero one zero one. But um, other than that, man. I, I'll I'll listen to the album when it comes out, but I, I just haven't retained anything they've done um, at all. So It's great mood music. It's great to put on the background while you're doing other things. Nothing? 
No. Okay. You know yeah. how I feel about when you say it's mood music. I know. Because we'll, I think it's horrible criteria. Maybe we'll listen to it on the way down to Nashville. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll be reading Thrawn in the backseat. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to our last one. The new Lord album, Melodrama, coming out June 16th. Uh, another artist that I completely, not necessarily missed, but... Lord became popular when I wasn't paying attention to music that much and I was sort of jaded from it. And going back on it now, I wasn't hugely impressed. Most of the stuff that I had always heard from people who would talk about how great Lord was, was how she was this really great and, and different and artistic female pop singer. And I've just never gotten that from her. Like she kind of, I mean, she, She's good. She sounds like a good female pop singer, but she doesn't really sound any different from anything that I've ever heard. Now, this album, it's been a while since her last album came out. Uh, and the singles that she's put out, Greenlight, that song we listened to off air, that song has really grown on me. That's a catchy song. It's a really, really catchy song. It's uh, You can dance to it. It makes me want to dance every time I hear it. She put out another one. I didn't really care about it that much. Did anything grab you when we listened to this song? Uh, I thought it was a pretty good song, actually. Um, I, I have to confess, though, I get Lord confused with a lot of these female artists that yeah. are out right now. Like, I I couldn't tell you the difference between Lord and Lana Del Rey. Yeah, I think there's a there's another one I want to say on top of my tongue. I can't think of who it is, but there's a few of those. I, I just don't know the difference, and I'm not. This isn't sexist, I don't think, but I've always thought that music coming from males is more interesting because for the most part there are there's more variety to the male voice i agree with you and and part of that part of that is just because i listen to such a wide variety of music that's probably overrun by males that i'm not giving it enough chance but i think it's harder for a female voice to sound different from another female voice and obviously there are standouts but in this kind of group, in this sector that we're talking about, if you want to talk about Lord or Lana Del Rey or whatever, I have a harder time. Like if you just played the song and I was, well, blindfolded, wouldn't do anything. But if I just heard the song, I couldn't tell one from the other. Right. I would have no idea. Church Is Churches another one like that? Is Churches in that same sector? I mean, they're, they're is like that a, a female vocalist. They're like a semi-experimental pop. I'm trying band. to think. I don't of, remember if Churches has a female. I'm trying to think. Song. I don't I'm really trying care to for think that of band. who else is in that group. There's a few of them that I just don't know the difference. Between. Look, here's the thing about this. I, I agree with you 100. percent I've always said it. A lot of female pop acts have a hard time breaking through because it's a very saturated landscape, and the one of the biggest problems is that a lot of female uh, pop acts they don't they don't go far enough outside of their own bubbles to be experimental. The artist Lapsley ended up in my top 10 album of the year last mm -hmm. year. And she is incredible. Does she's got a very unique voice and she's also does. A, she also does a lot of really unique stuff with her production techniques. The issue with, with female pop and especially Lord to a certain extent, you mentioned Lana Del Rey of, of both of those artists. For me, Lana Del Rey is a far more, experimental artistic avant-garde artist than lord is but for whatever reason I've, i feel like lord gets that label a little bit more uh -huh. kind of because she a lot of people have labeled her like goth pop and stuff like that and i just i don't buy that man like 
her music sounds like straightforward pop music. I mean, it just does. If you're looking for experimental and very out there pop music that makes you think, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The 1975 is the type of band that does that. They write pop songs with layers to them, things that make you think about the production and interesting sounds and all this stuff. And, and Lord just doesn't do that for me personally. That's not the aesthetic. Now that doesn't take away from the fact that this, that the song green light is great. And I think she makes some great hit songs, but maybe let's package her a little bit different. Let's package her and sell her to people as this is just a great pop singer. We don't need to throw all this other shit. She's, Oh, she's so dark. No, fuck that. She's, <laughs> she's just really, really good. And I'm interested to hear this album. Uh, hopefully it does something different and it does stand out and it doesn't get lost in the mix for it. For me personally, like it did, I guess years ago, when I just didn't care. You can follow us on Twitter at Sight Sound Pod. Twitter poll right now. Whose album are you looking forward to the most this summer between Paramore, Linkin Park, Alt-J, and Lord? I left at the drive-in off. That's fair. You can only put four. You can only put four. You can only put four. But that pretty <laughs> much does it. I mean, who knows? Who knows what other albums are going to drop this summer? I mean, shit, there could be another Drake project for all I know. I have no idea. <laughs> like <laughs> Another uh, Kendrick. There's definitely not another Kendrick. He he uh, <laughs> he went on the record to say there was there wasn't another album on the horizon, but a ton of singles I'm sure are going to come out, and I'm sure I know already there's going to be like at least two albums that are going to come out that we just had no idea about. I also left uh, the new Fleet Foxes album off that list, but there's not a ton you can say about that band. So fair enough. Yeah, sounds good. Let's uh, let's take. One more break, we'll come back, we'll wrap things up with television. I'm not sure how people listen to Sight and Sound every single week, whether it's on our YouTube page or it's on SoundCloud or you subscribe to the podcast itself, but if you're not subscribed to the podcast and you're listening to this right now, make sure that you know that every single week we bring you Sight and Sound Weekly, of course, but then we kind of break off and do our own little thing. We have Sight and Sound Music episodes hosted by yours truly. Obviously, Ryan's got you covered in Sight and Sound movies, and we've even got Sight and Sound television. We do this weekly thing every single week, but for people looking for a little bit more content, we break it down to each individual categories that we talk about. Make sure you're subscribed on our podcast feed or on YouTube or however you find this podcast, and be on the lookout for our standalone episodes. So I have to get used to this Twitter poll thing because I think I've I've done a few without uh, setting the limit to seven days. So I apologize. I wanted them to be seven days. That way the people uh, who hear the podcast throughout the week still have time to vote. People are going to uh, unfollow us because we're spamming. No, no, not at all. Um, so anyway, my apologies. Uh, it's the first time and I've just forgotten to put seven days. Thank you but, for the response. We've gotten... I was very skeptical about I, this. I cannot wait to reveal the results at the end of the show. Um, yeah, so that's such a J thing. Anytime Ryan Stelling presents something for the podcast or for the brand, it has to be the most like scrutinized or like well thought out thing. But it does. you can just introduce anything you want to Sight and Sound. Hopefully, hopefully I, the success of, of this Twitter poll will be like the mirror of uh, the success of our Patreon. <laughs> we'll find success in that as well. 
Jay will present an idea to me. Hey, how about we do this? And if I don't like it, it doesn't matter. Gonna happen anyway. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work uh, the same way for me. But anyway, things um, typically things you do, not typically, for the most part. Sometimes they don't. Don't finish pan that out. sentence. So let's uh, preview TV uh, for the summer of 2017. Never seen it. We have. Uh, we kind of came together on this. This was kind of a weird. Like April right now is awesome for TV. Yeah. I would actually love to talk about five it's, shows. It's been from a April. great year of TV so far. Yeah. And we also, I think we need to state this, like we sort of stated for, uh, for music. We're not completely aware of everything that's going to come out. There could be a surprise Netflix drop TV show that wasn't necessarily on the radar. Right. That could be great. I mean, who saw, I mean, we knew about 13 Reasons Why, but who saw a, a hit or a, su- a success like that? Yeah, absolutely, coming yeah. out. Um, we are going to cheat. Our first one right out of the gate actually premieres April 30th. Like uh, Our criteria for this podcast was basically May through August, uh, but it's one day, okay? American Gods, um, this new brand new show coming out based off the – how do you pronounce his last name? Neil Gaiman? Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. I believe that's right. Based on the Neil Gaiman novel. novel. It's going to premiere on Stars April 30th. I subscribe to Stars purely for this show, and I, I'm very hyped to watch this. I think that this is just another glowing example. The TV just gets bigger and bigger by the year. And based on the trailer that we got, some of the visuals uh, look great. It it looks like nothing is really holding them back. And I, I don't know a whole lot about the show. But I'm just intrigued by it. The, the, the existence of it, what we got from the trailer. Um, it was, I wanted to say Shane Black. Ian McShane, yes. Uh, at the front of it, Ian McShane's always awesome. Game of Thrones, Ian McShane. <laughs> one of the dumbest things that anybody's ever, ever gotten excited. No, I think it's great. But it's one of the dumbest <laughs> things that anybody's ever gotten excited. I remember people saying, the it, was, game changer. it was Phil. Phil said, oh, Ian McShane, season five Game of Thrones, this is going to be the greatest season ever, which for the most part is right, but don't it lead it off. Of yeah, don't lead it off with him. I mean, holy shit. Anyway, I haven't, again, I haven't read the book. I don't know a whole lot about Neil Gaiman. I don't, that might be blasphemy to some people, but. Very, uh, very, like in the pantheon of especially modern fantasy type fan sci-fi is not the type of word but the fantasy writers you know i mean yeah obviously there's so so many great uh prop or so so many great television shows that come from book properties this was one of the guys that people have been crying out for make neil gaiman stuff into television they they worked uh real hard to bring sandman to life joe levitt was behind it for a long time and it's just gone through production. It's been through production hell for several years, and that's not getting off the ground. And I know there's a lot of people that are a fan of Neil Gaiman, but I haven't been given uh, a lot of access to his work. Maybe I've been given it, but I haven't given it a shot. Um, but anyway, I don't know, man. I think this is this is the one, though, and and I'm really really excited. For those of you who don't know, you can actually get a stars uh, a month free trial via Amazon Prime. So if you subscribe to it on Amazon.com, you can access it through the Amazon Prime or Amazon Video app. Uh, I don't know if you have it on um, 
what do you call it? Fire Stick or what have you, but I have it on my Xbox One. If you have an Apple TV, you can take you can take your phone. It's not on Apple TV, but you can take your phone and push stream it from your phone to your TV. The quality is still great. It's, it's fine. Um Yeah, man. I, I don't I don't know a whole lot about it other than the fact that it's in a world where gods come to life because people believe in them. Sort of, and, sort of, yeah. and and I'm just I'm just fascinated by that. It's, I love it. And it, it. It's sort of a hybrid between uh, mythology, like Greek type of mythology, where you have multiple gods, uh, you know, stuff like that. But it's also taking into consideration modern reality in the modern world. Like, for instance, one of the gods is the tech god, like the head of of technology, which sort of you know, rules our world today. And that's fascinating for people. If people ever thought to themselves, man, wouldn't it be cool to tell a game of Thrones type of story set in modern day, modern era. That's what American gods essentially is to a certain extent. Do you understand how I might arrive at the conclusion that this is sort of the other side of the coin of the leftovers? Mm, to a certain extent this this show is all mythology it, it's it's like it's not about the people that are left but it might be about the people that caused something mm. like something otherworldly or cosmic like the sudden departure might be i think that i i can see where you're drawing that conclusion i think that's a a very interesting approach to watching the show for sure but this this show is supposed to have a very epic feel a very like i mean it follows uh follows one individual in particular i believe his name is Moonshadow, and sort of his journey in this wild and crazy world and most shows like this one of one of the things that's scary but also one of the things that's most enticing is learning the rules to this world learning the rules why things are the way that they are, why certain people are in power. We sort of went through the same journey ourselves with Game of Thrones and look where that paid off. But just visually, I mean, the things that they were trying to sell you in this trailer, I mean, I don't think you could walk away from that trailer really knowing what the show specifically is going to be about. But just seeing the type of imagery that they're showing, like them cutting people in half and just, I don't know what you would call it, blood, whatever, just like them morphing from a human entity to just a gush of water and blood or whatever right. is crazy imagery. There was like a, a picture of a buffalo with flaming eyes. What's that about? <laughs> Some crazy shit. Uh, this show is being brought to us by Brian Fuller, who recently did uh, Hannibal, which was a, um, a well-received show. There's a lot of Hannibal fans out there. So uh, I, I'm stoked. I'm hoping that this kind of catches on because uh, I, I I want to because the leftovers is leaving us. I want another show like that to take its place or be ready to take its place. And I feel like that this is sort of the small show with that big idea that might be able to do that. Um, so I, I hope that we'll probably do a pilot review or season uh, premiere review uh, like next week. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to watch it. So. I, I think so many, I don't think, I know, so many channels out there and content producers, and there's so many of them, we're absolutely spoiled for how many avenues are giving us great content. But so many of them are looking for their Game of Thrones 
uh, they've got money to spend and they want to spend it on something that for people to really grab onto. I mean, Netflix did it with, uh, what was the one that they, they did that Marco Polo, Marco Polo tried spent a ton of money trying to make that their game of Thrones. And that seems to be what stars is doing here. I think it's a great bar to set. I think it's something that game of Thrones has done very, very well. And there's going to be a space left open for that. I think a lot of people thought Westworld might be that. That's, that's obviously not that show. I'm sorry. That's obviously not what that show is. And I'm not just saying that because I didn't care for it, but if anybody were to come to me and say, Hey, Westworld could be the new game of Thrones after watching season one. That's not what that show is. That is a psychological, the best game show. of Thrones knockoff is probably Vikings. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But this, you know, this has a potential, it seems like at least visually and from what they're pitching us seems to be that next thing. We talk about it all the time that, TV shows nowadays are so cinematic and how they're they're uh, packaging them and delivering them to the to us. This show has that. This show looks very cinematic. It looks very over the top and bombastic. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it for sure. Absolutely. Uh, going the complete other direction, we have season two of Master of None coming out on Netflix. And this was actually a show that may or might not actually belong on this list. Like if this summer was any more like slightly more exciting, I don't think master of none sees the light of day on this list. Yeah. Look, we don't talk about a lot of comedies here, but I have a lot of strong opinions on comedies and I, I didn't mind master of none. The first season when I watched it, I thought it was funny and I thought it was good, but my thing, my only thing with master of none is I'd, I don't know if it really provides us anything like it's just a funny show and funny shows need to exist on TV, but I don't think it's pushing the boundaries. I don't think they're doing anything. I don't think the comment, it's not Atlanta, you know, the the show for me never, never was touching on anything that was making me laugh to cut through social commentary. It was just kind of a funny show that Netflix put out with very, uh, you know, the, the way the show was produced and, and directed and it's visually it looks really good and they it seems to have a lot of money behind it. it looks like they're going to be in Europe but I don't really know how much I could say this, other than that this is maybe Aziz Ansari's Anthony Bourdain season <laughs> I mean the whole season just kind of feels like a Euro trip yeah which the first season was about this struggling actor trying to find his place as an Indian American and I thought he was doing a lot of interesting things with that but if it's just about a vacation and a Euro trip, and this might, again, be ignorant because I don't know a whole lot about it. But granted, the trailer doesn't give you a lot because it's just visual set to a song. Maybe it just automatically loses that flair. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said TV needs funny shows. I don't think this show is laugh out loud funny. It's not. And, and I don't and think and it's don't supposed have to, be. to be. I don't, Louis, I don't think it's Louis, supposed to be. Louis not like that for the most part. You're not cackling at every single thing that happens not every i cackle a lot more louis than i do is yeah for sure but, but um it, it it is a weird show and sometimes and usually i would criticize the show for being weird for the sake of being weird but i think it's i, th- I don't think it's that i just think it's different in a good way do you think it has that aesthetic to it to where it, like I, I think do you get louis vibes ever from master of none I mean, I would say, I mean, when I first, when I saw the very first trailer from season one, I thought this was Aziz Ansari's answer to Louis. Absolutely. Like had the absurdity factor and whatnot. Well, just the fact that Louis 
sort of opened the door for this type of show. It, to it seemed I, it seemed to be a little bit more straightforward than that. I mean, this is yeah, um, definitely this. But Aziz Ansari being the one like behind this show, if Louis doesn't exist, I don't know if Aziz does this show. We said the same thing about Atlanta, exactly, and I think they all have their place. Um, I. I like the show and appreciate the show for that. Yeah. But going back to my original point, I mean, I think it's only on the list because there's nothing else. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's fascinating because last year you could arguably say was one of the best years for TV comedy in a long time. I mean, I Atlanta was my show of the year and shows like Atlanta, shows like uh, Louie, shows like Parks and Rec even which, you know, was it's been off for a little bit now, but still the bar has been set. It, the stakes are a little bit higher for a comedy. I think, you know, that's why a show for me, I like, uh, I'm sorry, I like Silicon Valley a lot, but a show like that just seems so trivial and it seems so almost, amateur is not the right word, but like elementary compared to some of these other shows that are really, really smart. Uh, in their comedy and and maybe that's me being a little bit of a snob but and and i think master of none does fit into that conversation quite a bit so i didn't pick up on that initially in this conversation but you brought it up and it's i think it's a good point unfortunately the thing about master of none is again talking about how strong tv was last year uh master of none was the show i forgot about oh yeah it's like we were watching in this season two trailer they were showing all those shots of him on dates. Yeah. I forgot what happened to him and his love interest from season one. I've even forgotten her name. And I was actually, I actually really enjoyed the episode of them living their life in the apartment. I think that I remember talking about it amongst friends when that came out. And a lot of people didn't care for that episode because it was all relationship stuff, but I actually really liked it. And, but I've forgotten. Yeah. It was, so it was, it might have been a a good, not great show. It's just I may need to update my opinion. Yeah, on it. I think based, a little forgettable. Based on the premise of what I think season two is about, I think this is the season that has to be laugh out loud funny because, like, his parents are back and that's good, from at least from the trailer anyway. But because season one had such a an identity with his career in place in America, yeah. it's like, I, I just don't know what season two is yet. So Com- comedies are always in, in trouble and, and of that. Yeah. Of finding out a new story to tell. That's why parks and rec was so great. They yeah. were able to tell a new story. And, Th- this show is, I know this show is making me annoyed, with you? annoyed that Atlanta is not on this year. Oh yeah. I forget. Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah. that we're not getting any Atlanta this year. I know. But it's making me hyped as shit for next year, though, for sure. Um, I'm no stranger to, I mean, Seinfeld is one of my favorite shows of all time. So I'm no stranger Never to just it. like, I'm no stranger to just dropping a girlfriend and having a new love interest in a new season. I mean, but it's just, it doesn't have me as excited until I finally see the result. So it, it's fun. It's just funny to me that it's on this list. But, uh, but anyway, I'm sure it'll be a talking point. We'll talk about it on the show uh, once it debuts. Number three, Twin Peaks. The return of Twin Peaks after like 20 years or something like that. Is this the the drive-in <laughs> album? Yeah, it is. And 
We get it May 20th. Great theme song. May 21st on Showtime. And I'll tell you what. This show originally was not good to me. I watched <sighs> I watched the first two episodes and it's so weird for the sake of being weird going back to that that I don't like. I just don't care for it. This is 100% the at the drive in. It's the same conversation like it's a show that so many people talk about. Atlanta was always touted as Donald Glover's Twin Peaks with hip hop and rap and being in Atlanta. And so many shows have cited that. But I go back, I've tried to go back to it before, and I can't. Time has moved on from that show, not in just the quality. I mean, that show is dated. And I don't mind shows being weird for the sake of being weird. I know that people herald that show for the mystery in it and everything and and the artistry and I celebrate all of that but man I that show is just it's too hard for me to watch I do think David Lynch is a very interesting individual I I don't <laughs> I appreciate I can appreciate the chances that he takes with things I just there are so... <laughs> can I watch this season without watching the other two seasons? I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. I'm sure I'm sure it's going to have that attitude. Yeah. But then again, like, because it's Twin Peaks, it's already maybe built that way. Couldn't like, we just not reboot even, it? Not even on purpose. I think this is a reboot, from my understanding. I think it's everything. They're bringing like, back, like, the same cast? Because of the way Twin Peaks... Because Twin Peaks is such a unique show, I feel like it's all of the above. Yeah, like I feel like it's going to give diehard fans everything they want, and I feel like it has every reason to bring on new fans too. It's just such a weird thing to talk about. Th- those trailers, quote unquote trailers that we watched, <laughs> they were doing the exact same thing that I complained about the Guardians trailer. They're just showing, hey, look, it's your old friends again. Like there's, there's nothing to take from that. People driving around, pictures of dead deer and dead rabbits, <laughs> David Lynch eating a fucking donut, like. A guy walking out of the shadows, like, what am I supposed to take from that? I mean, I get it. Like, I'm probably not the demographic here yeah. for this, but it's also not saying you've got to watch season one and season two. Twin Peaks is back. Again, one other thing. Why is Pitchfork covering this? Every every new... Didn't it, did anyone know that Pitchfork was covering this? Every, I did. Every single news bit that dropped about this show. You know where I found out about it first? A fucking music website. Do they ever post about TV or movies? Ever? Unless it's Hans Zimmer? Like at, at Atlanta? Atlanta they talked Atlanta they talked about it a little bit. Every now and then they do. But um, stay out of our space. <laughs> stay over there. Well, that's Why don't a, you guys get a podcast? Your space. Get a podcast. We 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 will We'll do work it for podcast. you. Yeah, we'll work yeah, for get you. Get a podcast with us. <laughs> Just peeked out. It's okay. Quiet. Settle down. You peeked out. You're on top. Genius. I'm always on top. <laughs> Anyways, all right. <laughs> At Sight Sound Pod, is Twin Peaks popular? <laughs> because it's weird for the sake of being weird. Um, number four. If this was a popularity contest, this would be number one. But it's number four because it comes out July 16th. Game of Thrones, man. 
I've got a throner right Anytime now. Anytime we talk about Game of Thrones, I have to stand up. I was going to say, we did that stand-up podcast. It was one of your favorite podcasts that we've ever done. And you are actually standing up for this. I am. I'm setting a precedent. You you put your microphone stand down. You're How do you holding feel it? right now? You won't make eye contact with me because I'm looming over you. That's weird. I'm, I'm not going to stand up. I'm going to continue to stay seated. Like a giant beyond the wall. Yes. Here I stand. And I will be... Uh, I will be Bran, paralyzed to sitting down. I'm not going to drag you places. You I already uh, do. I'm tired of carrying you on my back. My God. <laughs> I mean, what is there to say, man? We, we don't even have a trailer yet, but it's like everyone is just ready for this to – everyone's just ready for this to happen. It, we've been waiting even longer. Well, I should say <laughs> the diehard fans who have watched it year to year have been waiting for this longer than any other year. Um Unfortunately and fortunately, both, I'm just now getting caught up on this. So, um, anyway, I, I'm really, really excited for this. I'm a little snooty about this show because this is the show that, and for whatever reason, who would have ever guessed that Game of Thrones is the show that would have reached out and touched everybody else? We talk a lot about about crossing over and crossover appeal. This show is He's the definitive. This show is the definitive example of that. I mean, Game of Thrones is taken in by virtually everyone. And I kind of it kind of annoys me a little bit like I don't I don't want Game of Thrones to be the only show that Christian Harloff watches. I don't <laughs> want to hear John Campia talking about Game of Thrones. All right, if you're not on TV talk all the time, if you're not in the TV space, Stay out. It's like Pitchfork talking about Twin Peaks. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I just saying, don't agree. You're being crazy. I'm just saying, like, this is the type. I love Game of Thrones. I I think it's great. I loved getting caught up with it this I year. I remember you thought it was masturbatory. I, I it, there are like times the Walking Dead. There are times when it is 100% masturbatory. They, that you just sort of reiterated my take. Uh, this all is a along. show I don't want to be talking to the people at work about. You sort of reiterated my point all along before I got onto the Game of Thrones bandwagon, which was I just don't understand why this is the show. For so long when people said that Game of Thrones was their favorite show, I honestly thought, do you actually understand what's going on? Because I feel like you're too dumb to appreciate this type of show. Well, I feel like... That was my honest take. It blew my mind that something so... What was supposed to be niche. Because... Complex. God forbid I had no idea these were even books before the show came on. And also didn't know that there were fans behind the books. So what on earth about this weird TV show on HBO made it the biggest show on television? I didn't understand it and I questioned it. I absolutely questioned this for years. Much like I did Lost. And here I am, several seasons into it, finally catching up on it wishing that I was claiming it all along as one of my favorite shows on TV. So I'm kind of kicking myself. But um I do have a hypothesis behind that. I I think that people that live their day day to day going back to the first conversation we had, the people who are living that boring married life with the kids and all that stuff, they don't have time to get out to the comic book store. They remember the days when they were playing Dungeons and Dragons and going to Star Wars for the first time. They can't find a babysitter for uh, you know, for their shitty kids to go see the new Star Wars movies. This is movie cinema level 
quality TV shows, fantasy, science fiction type of things that's delivered to you on your television. And that I think it does appeal to the inner geek in all of us, Ryan. I still don't want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you, but I don't want to talk to everyday Joe Schmo about their crappy uh, Game of Thrones theories, but it also it's a smart show. But you'll talk to people people on Twitter about it. Absolutely, it, there's <laughs> there's also it also has the appeal uh, to it that is that quote unquote masturbatory sort of thing. People just want to see who's going to die next. You know, I don't. They want to see the train wrecks go on, and that's fine. That show caters to so many people. Uh, I don't know who are the people that do the show. Lord Miller. I don't know. Two people. Two what? Ra- two random people. <laughs> Weiss and Benioff. Whatever. Whoever they are. Some names. They they know what they're doing, <laughs> and they're really good at doing it. <laughs> if you guys want to know what our predictions are, go find our TV episode uh, on our YouTube channel or on our podcast feed, and you can listen to us babble on for. Uh, on all of our theories and what we think will happen coming up on this season. It's coming to an end. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm very, that we've talked about it before too. When we talk about television final. I know it's not the f- very, very final season, but it, it, there's two more seasons, right? Two short yeah, seasons. We have two more seasons left. And that's exciting to know that there is an end game to know that it's pretty much all business from here on out that, I mean, to think about that we're going to, to get a Game of Thrones season where right. everything is so focused is so exciting. Uh, I think a lot of fans, including yourself, know how it's pretty much going to end up. And I think Benioff and Weiss even said that Lord Miller. this this will finally feel like an ending, or I think the conclusion starts here. So, uh, so yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty exciting because I love sort of anticipating the 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 epic conclusion of franchises and this is just another thing to get excited about so it's just a thing yeah it is just a thing so jay's gonna sit back down are we done talking Um, about i think we're done talking about it did you have a twitter poll for game of thrones or are we moving on um let me think here let me think of a good one um whose boobies will we see for no just kidding i don't i don't know who are the better duo directors weiss and benioff or lord miller (laughs) I can't put that only because I don't know if Weiss and Benioff actually direct. Um, I think they do. I, th- I guess they have to. I think they direct. The th- regardless, I'm not interested in looking that up right now. Um, the last show I'm so excited to talk to you about. I forgot what we what list we made. I This is the last one. And actually, I'm, I'm excited because I think it'll be our best discussion. But I know I'm going to hate everything you say. <laughs> August eighteenth. Oh my God! Wait, are you are you about to talk about Curb? No. Oh, when does Curb come out? I don't think it's known yet. I think it okay. says summer twenty seventeen or is, fall. Is it a surprise drop? Is he going to surprise drop that thing? I don't think it's for certain yet. I would love to talk about Curb right now, but it's actually Marvel's The Defenders. I'm excited about it, man. What? I'm really excited about this goes, it. Okay, this is another Look, you example. Got the, you, the dogs are going to come in here. This is another example. You never know what Jay Williams thinks about things. He consistently talks trash about the Netflix Marvel series. But here we are. Jay Williams, coming off of Iron Fist, is excited for the Defenders. Now, why is that the case? Because I, I cannot believe you just said that. I want to see if they can pull it off. 
I really do. I mean, the fact that this is like a essentially going to be what, like an eight hour movie. I mean, they don't have time to fuck around in this thing. One of the biggest problems that everybody has always cited for these shows has been the pacing, the pacing of these things. Will you have five people, five, four, five, four, four, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Moon Knight, <laughs> and Jessica Jones. Uh, Look, Iron Fist. <laughs> look, we're coming off the back of of Iron Fist not being well received from most people, and uh, look, I thought it got some unfair cr- criticism. It wasn't great. It wasn't even it was not even good. I thought it was it was just a show, and it could have been done a lot better. But the stakes are high for this thing. They don't have time to waste in this. I don't know what they're building up to because I have. I haven't the hand. I haven't even finished one season of a Marvel show on Netflix. You finished Iron Fist? No, I didn't. I never finished Iron Fist. I could have sworn you did. No, I said it was going to be the first one, but I never did. It's not worth it. it wasn't worth my time. I'm too busy watching Attack on Titan right now. And I I just want to see how they if they can pull this off. This is what Marvel on television has been building towards. This is probably going to set I mean, so far IMO Marvel on television is comparable to the DCEU in the film space. No. I mean it just is like no. If they've got to get this right, man. They've got to. If they don't, they're going to have to go to some they're going to have to switch gears. I just, I think I don't think Marvel has to prove that much to you. I really don't. I mean, I think that they don't. They they don't. They have a much. They have a stronger track record. I, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think you're not giving them enough credit. I, at I, all. I think their track record, just in general, has given them so much rope with these shows. I mean, a ton of slack. People, you think I'm a Netflix series apologist just because of how much I love Marvel? A little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. I I think Daredevil is really really good. It could be a lot better, in my opinion, but it's really really good. You still haven't seen season two. I haven't seen season two and I need to. I'm more excited for Punisher than I am for Defender. Hey, though. Punisher. Even though I haven't too. even seen Punisher in the season two. I, was, I, I wish Punisher was coming out this summer. Punisher sounds like a bad ass television show. I can't wait. I really can't wait for Punisher. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I, but the thing about this, we talked about the fact that it's only eight episodes and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great for the pacing. But I hate how disconnected all of these things are despite being in the same universe i hate that they reference they reference the movies the marvel movies as if they're a part of another studio and they can't actually reference them and i think that's silly you're making a reference like a tongue-in-cheek wink at the camera instead of being able to make the reference that you can make like I, I think it's a stupid tease. It's a tease for no reason. Like, they're they're also disjointed from within their own universe. I mean, so I saw an article today about how they were wondering why Rosario Dawson didn't call Matt Murdock at any point during Iron Fist. Yeah, I mean, the only crossover and, we've had is is Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and that right. was done pretty well from what I saw if, of it, and that worked, and that was a good call. And I wish that they took that approach 
at any other point. Yeah. Like, and that's why I think I love Daredevil and Punisher so much is that they embrace the fact that they have all of these things at their disposal. And you could have made Iron Fist a lot more interesting. And some might argue, well, you're getting that with the Defenders. But we've already seen them do it with Daredevil and Punisher and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. I mean, it's like, and not having Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. What? So I understand what Rosario Dawson's, what Claire Temple's purpose is to be sort of like the Nick Fury of it all. But it's like, it just doesn't make sense at the same time. It's like you're afraid to connect them. And I'm even more okay with them staying disconnected from the movies because those movie schedules, the film schedules are way different than filming a TV show. So it might actually be hard to align those things. At least keep it consistent within the TV shows. And they don't even do that. And that's that's what I finally want to see is the fact that they're all in the same city. They're finally going to <laughs> cross paths with each other. And I hope that the Hand and Sigourney Weaver uh, become a worthy foe and we get an epic eight-hour event on television. Yeah, this show, I think for me, on the surface, at least sounds super, super promising. The unfortunate thing is I would say at least eh, three of the four shows have all had missteps, I think is the, the fair way to put it. And you, they all have something that somebody could point out as saying this was an issue. I don't want the defenders to be that show. Like at least, at least give me this show and, and treat it like an eight hour movie. Don't, I don't, Oh my God. I hope to God, like the first four episodes aren't just them connecting for the first time, you know, like that's gotta be episode one. It has to be. Yeah. Them meeting up for the first time, them having a reason to get together. And it's gotta be action the entire time. Like we have these individual seasons to figure out the in-depths of their personal life and tell the, those side stories that like when Captain America walks through a room, what is everybody else doing behind that wall when he leaves? Like we've gotten that with these seasons. We don't need to spend the time doing those things in the defenders. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's a big, big, big event for Marvel. I think it's a big, big, big event for Netflix. I mean, this is some of the biggest property Netflix has ever released. And they, the stakes are super fucking high, man. That's my biggest criticism of the series is the action and the way it's filmed and the way it's pulled off. So I'm hoping that that's one of the things that um, is approved upon with this show. Um, look, I might, you might call me an apologist. I think overall, these are still great series. And I can't believe that they're being done on television sometimes. I mean, I rewatched a couple episodes of uh, Daredevil season two, and it just it's so it's so fun uh, knowing that this is a TV show uh, out there. And I get ex- every time they announce a new season, Dare- they're already cranking out again. Like you said, Punisher and all these other shows, Daredevil season three, Jessica Jones is about to start filming again. It's just I always look forward to these. Um, because they're they're so much fun to talk about when they come out. So I'm hoping that the defenders, I'm hoping that it improves upon everything that we needed, and I hope that moving forward, all those other seasons benefit from it. Because um, they, I, I, 
hopefully they can only get better and better. And we talked about the fact that that's what's so great about television is from season to season that they can just course correct. Um, so hopefully the defenders makes up uh, for Iron Fist and everything else is improved upon afterwards. I think mine, what I'm going to set a precedent for right now, anytime I'm editing like thumbnails or doing graphic design work, I tried this with 13 reasons why and it actually worked. I'm, I put my, uh, I don't know where it is. I have a mini tripod down here, it's like a selfie stick slash tripod. And I put my camera mount, I'm sorry, my phone mount on here and I mounted my phone here and I watched 13 reasons why uh-huh. while I was designing. I think I'm going to do that for Daredevil and some of the other Marvel shows just so I can I can crank them out in time for uh for the defenders to drop. But I am excited. I'm excited and um hopefully all the best, man. I mean, there is never a conversation that we'll have on this podcast where I don't want anything to I succeed i want everything that we talk about to succeed in one way shape or form but uh just so far jesus so far it's uh it's been a a, a tumultuous ride i think that's a fair thing to say with definitely with the marvel netflix shows in general so we almost made it three hours we're not done yet we got 15 minutes we also we also gotta um um do the twitter polls we got things to plug i do have things to Let's, you want to do the plugs for, plug first and then the Twitter bowl? Yeah, we will. So real quick, remind me because I've forgotten. When does the contest end? Um, let's reveal. So we mentioned the, the short giveaway. Subscribe to the Sight and Sound YouTube channel. Increase your chances of winning by letting us know via Twitter um, that you've done so, screenshot, what have you. Um, the winner, we will select a winner and they will get a Schmoes No t-shirt of their choice. Let's announce the winner on the next After Schmo. After Schmo 11. Uh, we will announce... Yeah, that's not a good one because we, we're not doing a full episode. Next weekly then. We'll talk okay. about it again on After Schmo and we will announce the winner on next week's Sight and Sound Weekly. That, that should work. Um, so anyway, do that. Please do that. Um, we've already said it a million times, but follow the Sight and Sound Twitter account at Sight Sound Pod. I uh, just posted the poll. Do you want us to keep doing the polls? And I, I think, I think people liked them. I'm gonna vote no, just to be sure. I, I, I voted yes, even if the majority is no. I still want to keep doing it because we got followers. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um. Subscribe to the Sight and Sound YouTube channel because not only do you get podcasts like this one, but you get all of our video content. We killed it last week with all the Star Wars celebration stuff. You put out your Kendrick thing and the North Lane, North Lane review. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been I haven't been slipping on my music reviews. Like I said in the music segment, it's been a little slow, but I mean, there's so much stuff coming out. You guys are going to be getting a lot more music reviews if you guys are looking. Or that I've also got my music show every Friday, so make sure you're tuning into that. Definitely, and um, make sure you check us out on Aftersmo. And we're also covering the leftovers. Uh, we're going to be re- recording a recap or after show uh, later tonight, and that'll be up on our feed as well. So if you're watching the leftovers, make sure you find that episode with us. We're going to be talking about uh, episode two of season three, and download the TV Showtime app because that's where TV fans go to talk about their favorite shows. It's a lot of fun. I converted my friend Goodman 
He is now a TV show time user and he's having a lot of fun with it. There you can follow your favorite shows and talk to people who are watching the episodes with you. And that's also where our podcast is featured. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Big shout out to everybody uh, that listened to the leftover stuff. Hopefully you guys are hearing this right now. That was one of our big goals in distributing sight and sound content on the TV Showtime app is that maybe you guys will discover the rest of our podcasts and subscribe. It's a lot of stuff that we're doing and we want to do a lot more. I tease it a little bit uh, at the top of the show, but we are sort of batting around the idea of Patreon, um, some some sort of thing to, to sort of push the podcast to a, a new level. We want to go video for you guys. Uh, we announced it on After Schmo that that is something that we're working towards to make after Schmo a video podcast, and it will be that way. One of my goals is to make Sight and Sound Weekly a video podcast, and I think we'll do that very, very soon in the near future, but we want to make it a consistent thing. It will be a consistent thing, but maybe every now and then we'll drop a video episode, but if you want more of that, uh, maybe that's one of the goals on the Patreon. We've also got T-shirts coming uh, very, very soon. We announced that on our Instagram. You can go to our Instagram to see those uh, t-shirt previews i'm really excited about that some uh, awesome designs coming down the down the way as well we need to make a final decision on who's going to be doing those for us but stay tuned to our social media for that announcement you can find me on twitter and instagram at j williams j to the a to the y to the e the same for twitter and instagram and one more thing too i was a guest on the tracks show podcast if you like the stuff that i do talking about music you're gonna love this show uh my buddies tim and harry over in england they host an incredible podcast that i'm actually a really big fan of and i was a guest there and you can find me over there wherever podcasts are found where can they find you on social media you can find me on twitter at what up snell and I think I'm going to plug my Instagram for the first time. Do it. Just at Ryan Snelling is my Instagram. Um, you make them the same. I don't remember the reason why. Maybe I'll change. I need to change my Instagram. I will change my Instagram to what up Snell. I can't change. I would have thought. You I can't change-, change my Twitter to Ryan Snelling. Someone already has it. Oh, okay. So, so anyway, let me update the polls for a final time. Uh, even after I promised I would get better at making the limit seven days. I still uh, messed up a few times, so I apologize to those people. Um, Start with the first one. What decade of your life would you consider to be your prime? 46% said 20s. See, that's just a demographic of people that listen to the show. It's clearly 30s. I'm approaching 30. Please, God. Someone who's 18 might say 40. Let it. I mean, it could happen. If you say forty, you're only the only reason you're saying that is because you watch Collider and you're looking at Christian Harloff and how successful he is right now in his forties. Does anyone actually need or want a sequel for Interstellar? Seventy-seven percent said what? No. What about a comic book? <laughs> Which movie are you most excited for this summer? Forty-one percent said Guardians of the Galaxy two. 29% for Dunkirk, 24% Apes, 5% Alien Covenant. I told you. I told you. Are Jeremy Renner and Guillermo del Toro the most mistreated men in Hollywood? 52% said yes. <laughs> it's a close race, though. Has it's, much, it, it's a hot topic. Has anyone ever heard of the band At the Drive-In? 76% said no. That's right. Have you heard of the band Sparta or the Mars Volta before hearing about At the Drive-In? 60% said no. I kind of thought it would go the other way. I think that was a confusing question because I actually voted yes on that, even though it's not true. 
I accidentally voted yes on that question. How does Paramore get to their own cruise ship? 100% said helicopter. Well, first of all, just to let you know about the logistics of how this works, I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever been on a cruise before, but uh, the boat usually parks at a harbor and you drive there and then you depart from the harbor. It's very similar to owning a plant. Whose album are you looking forward to the most this summer? 38% said Lord. What was second? 8%. Uh, second was Alt-J at 31%. 23% said Lincoln Park. 8 said Paramore. Surprise? Very. I thought it would have gone the exact opposite, actually. Um, is anyone talking about or anticipating Master of None Season 2? 55% said no. Wow. Is Twin Peaks so popular because it's weird for the sake of being weird? 80% said yes. I agree. Do you think it's annoying that the Netflix Marvel series barely acknowledge each other? 50-50. Interesting. Do you How many know? votes on that one? Six. Okay. <laughs> it's just because it was so fresh. Um, and we have one vote for do you want us to keep doing Twitter polls? And it was mine. 100% said yes. Well, I'm going to say no. Just kidding. I like it. It's fun. Uh, we just got a notification that The Leftovers is starting in one hour from TV Showtime. So we should get out of here, get some something to eat, and record that episode. We should. We will see you guys next time. Thank you so much. We'll see you later.